What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say uh, go Bills. And a good evening once again from the beautiful shores of Lake Erie. This is Kevin Syracuse, your host of the BF Writers Club, right here on the Buffalo Fanatics Network. And I am joined once again by Jeffrey Brady tonight as we have a big show planned for you. Sorry that we're a little bit late, but we hope you can stay up with us because we have a lot to talk about because it is finally here, and that is training camp. Training camp just two days away, July 25th on Tuesday. All veterans, well, actually all players will report to training camp at St. John Fisher. The rookies reported last Tuesday. Now the veterans, the full squad will be at St. John Fisher. Unfortunately, it's not Fredonia, but nonetheless, football season is right around the corner. So with that, let's get into it as we are going to be talking about which positions that we need to be on the lookout for over these next few weeks because there are a lot of battles that are going to be going on between different positions, different players. There is depth and competition all over, Jeff. Yeah, there really is. And I already see we have our first uh, first comment from Jessica. Is, is the sound not great still? Because we've made some changes. <laughs> I see it on YouTube. So do we not see it on streamer that the, about the sound there's an issue? or Yeah, I see the comment right there. How we sound, uh, guys? Any, anything... Uh, Anything better or worse or what? What's uh rather rather cut it out now than uh deal with it later. So yeah, let us know. You know if we have some any uh, audio issues, but you know we are in a different location once again. You know what the deal is. There's always some little technical aspect that we're trying to tinker around with. So you guys are technically our audio engineer. So please let us know before the show goes on any <laughs> further. Ah, John sounds fine to him. So okay, cool. Maybe Jessica, maybe uh, you know, upgrade your internet since Kevin hasn't. <laughs> That's why he's here. So <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> Jessica, thank you for being here. Always, uh, and Sophia, and uh, the best part about the show is having a solid, strong, you know, female presence, which is always cool. You know, uh, so training camp battles all night. Let's do it. Before we get into that, want to say thank you to Sons of Erie for being the sponsor of tonight's show. Sons of Erie, check them out on Instagram at Sons of Erie. And once again, thank you to Jeff for joining me. And we're going to be talking about training camp battles, which are going to be going underway just in a couple of days. And then that is going to segue into Bryce Martino because he wrote a couple of articles on different battles to look for between wide receivers, middle linebacker, and defensive tackle. So Jeff and I will give a general overview of what to expect over these next few weeks. And then we'll get a little bit more specific with Bryce. And then hang tight because my safety rankings came out on Friday, and I think there are a couple of bills that might have found themselves in those spots there. Jeff. Am I am I gonna get upset? I didn't get upset last week. I agreed, and then got upset, and then got not upset. So I mean, there's always confusion here, but I'm very much looking forward to that to see how angry I will be. Well, I, I think we can all agree that the Bills have some pretty good safeties on their roster, so we'll save that for the end. Like I said, I hope you guys can uh, stick around for that because. We're not going to keep it too long tonight. We realize tomorrow's a work day. Uh, so, you know, we'll try to keep it as clear and concise as possible. So with that, 
why don't, why don't we talk about some of these uh, different training camp battles that we have here? And before we get into it, I'll just let you start. What are your initial thoughts with training camp less than two days away now? Uh, my initial thoughts are um, eternal battles. I, I, I feel like we're so uh, we're so we're so well staffed. Uh, maybe that's a product of there only being one cut this year. We're not we're not doing tiered cuts. We're not going from ninety, you know, to seventy five to sixty to you know your final your final fifty something. But um, I think we're doing a lot of searching from within this year, which is you know that's kind of where you want to be at. Like I think we kind of know where we're going to be at personnel wise. Um, the battles aren't um, can he win the job or do we need to search for free agents because they're slim pickings right now. But I think um, keeping the battles internal. I mean, uh, y- y- we know what we have and we like what we have and we're just going to get the best. So. That, that's kind of where I'm at with that. So any any battle right now, I, th- I think it's super interesting, but um, it clearly establishes that we like the roster right now, and uh, I don't think we're searching outside the organization to kind of uh, fill out any uh, weaknesses. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Well, you know what? We already have a uh... – okay. <laughs> we have two comments here that I want to get to. Trey says, Kevin, better sound this time, and how long until Torrin starts? And then Jessica asks – who will be on the pup list to start the season? So I guess we might as well start right there. And what are your thoughts on Von Miller? Because Von is so optimistic about everything. I don't know if I've ever met a professional athlete that has more smiles on his face and more optimism in or his more, eyes. Or more guarantees. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guarantee OBJ is going to sign with that whoever wins that first game between the Rams and the Bills. I guarantee Wrong. that I'll be back for that Jets game on December Wrong. 6th. <laughs> you know, D-Hop's definitely coming to Buffalo. The Buffalo th- – wrong. It's just – that's fine. But the guy's an optimistic guy. But on the flip side of the coin, he's a physical freak. I mean, he has never let an injury lag him. But at the same time, when do we want Vaughn, um, Vaughn out there? Do we want him in the first three or, you know, a, a non-divisional, non-conference game? Do we want him out there? Um we want him where it matters. And I think that's kind of where the team suffered last year is he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't in the game. He wasn't available. I mean, some, uh, sometimes the best ability is availability. So um, why don't we just make sure he's great? I mean, we took the same approach with Trey. Trey was by all accounts was there for the knee, but you know, some would say the, the mentals weren't there yet. Cause you know, collision sport, all that other stuff. I think uh, we have to borrow from uh, the way the training staff and the coaching staff handled how we brought Trey back because he is, uh, if not better, that type of caliber, you know, perennial all pro player. So um, I don't know when you guys all want him back. I want him back when he's 100 um, uh, percent. The knee is out of mind. And when games really matter. Well, I think this is a good way to start because we might as well just start with the defense. I was going to talk about the offense. Je- Jessica, correct. Phillips as well. She's on fire tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's just talk about the defensive line right now. So I think that the addition of Leonard Floyd is huge. Because I think that that could be a signal that Vaughn starts on the pup list. Maybe the first four weeks, they start him out slow, and then they work him in. Because you don't want to rush him. Because the Bills are at the point where they can play for February. And I know every week matters, but the way that they shift their season, they have one goal in mind, and that's playing in February. Years ago, during the drought, every single week mattered. And obviously, I know, I just said every week matters. But it's kind of a catch-22, right? Every week matters, but some matter. weeks, they don't matter, and some weeks matter more. Yeah, but the difference here between McDermott's Bills and any other previous Bills, like with Rex Ryan, is that you think that this team is going to be playing into January and February, and you have that in the back of your mind where you say, you know what, 
let's not rush Vaughn back because we need him in late January and February. Whereas if this was years ago, you might say, we really need Vaughn so we can at least get to the playoffs. The Bills can get to the playoffs without Vaughn Miller, but can they win the Super Bowl without Vaughn? So I think that they're doing everything with the Super Bowl in mind. And when they bring a guy like Leonard Floyd in, someone who put up 29 sacks in three seasons in L.A., that is a huge veteran presence right there who you can put on the bookend with Greg Rousseau, and he could be a placeholder until Vaughn is 110% healthy. Well, I don't even think he can be a placeholder. I think he'd be a highly functioning contributor. And like, you know, for all for all the uh, discreditation I just did with Vaughn and his like junior uh, GM status he has right now, you have to think that he had some, you know, social influence in getting Floyd on the, you know, uh, on this team because, you know, he is the lens eye to like, hey, man, we really do it right here. We have top notch facilities and we're out to win one. So for for all the all the pooping on Vaughn, I just did like uh, that's one of the things that, you know, it's indelible his his success here and how much he wants to be here because he's recruiting and advocating this team for others to join and uh, add value to it. So I, I hope to see Vaughn. I don't know. I hope to see Vaughn where we're ready and when we need him. I think that's, uh, I know that's a little ambiguous, but I think that's, you know, that's kind of where we're all at, you know? Now, John says that he read that Phillips will start the season on the pup list. I haven't heard anything about that. I know that he was battling through injuries last year, so that could be another name to watch for. But really, as much as I love Jordan Phillips, I'm not worried because the Bills really built up that defensive line. And speaking of Leonard Floyd, the other big addition right after the draft was Puna Ford. And he's that big one tech where I was looking at the depth chart earlier. Right now, it looks like Daquan Jones is a starting one tech. At Oliver, they got him on that big extension. Those are your first two defensive tackles. Then you have Puna Ford and Tim Settle. So really, not that the Bills don't need Jordan Phillips, but they can afford to not be with them for those first four weeks for the point that I was just making. You don't want to rush him into it. They don't absolutely need him on week one. You need someone like Jordan Phillips for the push down in uh, December and January. Well, well, two comments there. Um, it, you know, it, it, to anybody think they have an inside track of where people are going to start on the season and not not saying your, your sources are any better than mine. Um, it would be disingenuous to say that they have a lens eye into the training room, where they're at, uh, and their rehabilitation. So I right now don't uh, necessarily commit very much, uh, very much salt or chutzpah into into uh, people having the inside track onto where people are going to start. Obviously, those are legitimate questions and people that will be in the lens of you know where they're going to start the season. There are different cuts this year in training camp and uh, different designations we will have to assign people. What was the other thing? Well, Mike says that Tommy Doyle is going to start on the pup list, he thinks. Now, you personally know Tommy. I, I am a good friend of Tommy's. anything about Tommy Doyle's ACL recovery? I know he looks great. I know he took his offseason uh, rehab seriously. If anybody, and this isn't like non-material public information, the guy's, the guy's going to uh, a mobility and, and flex teacher. He has that up uh, at his dad's camp in Minnesota. I've never seen him look as good and look as vengeful as to uh, as to regaining his uh, his status in this league. You got to remember, he's he's going to be looking for a contract soon, and uh, if he plays the way he started and unfortunately uh, uh, abruptly ended last year, he's going to be in the legitimate conversation for playing time, stuff like that. Also, with the defensive line, let's all consider we have a very heavy defensive line rotation, so we're less uh, reliant on singular entities, but like a continuity within all of them. So the quicker they get in that rotation and continuity, the better. But at the same time, there's a rotational aspect to it, so we're never co we're, no, we're never reliant on just one person. So I think that aids to any rehabilitation we have to do with those defensive linemen. 
Now, before we go over to the offensive line, speaking of Tommy Doyle, we'll, we'll hit on that side of the ball next. But I just want to say one more thing about the defensive linemen. This is a huge year for A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham because those guys are probably your third string defensive ends right now. But this is a huge year, contract year for Epinesa. Well, Basham had that tweet earlier in the offseason where he said he's going to explode this year. And those could be two names. We talked about it last week with uh, Kevin Messer and Tommy Jamba when they joined the show, that those two guys could be trade candidates because this team is so stacked that you're going to have to make some hard cuts. And you don't want to just release these guys out to any other 31 teams to pick them up. You might want to try to get something back for them. So look for those two guys to either potentially really pop off this year or maybe even get traded. And that's what I was going to say. Are they a bigger candidate for a contract extension or are they a bigger candidate for a cut? And that's a kind of that's that's crazy to me uh, that that um, uh, it's kind of lend his hand to the talent that kind of we have on this roster. You know, what I mean, I think that's very cool. So, yeah, I, I struggle with that, too. Are they getting cut? They getting traded or are they getting extended? So it's going to it's going to be a cool one. It's a good position. Ben. Now, let's go over to the offensive line, because this has been very. What's the word that I want to use here? I, I love that the Bills built up the depth chart here. But it's been almost peculiar to me the way they went about it because I was a critic of not necessarily the Osiris Torrance draft pick in itself because I think he was the best player available, definitely the best guard available at the time. But they signed Connor McGovern to starter level money. At the time I checked, he was like the 18th highest paid guard when they signed him to that three-year, $22.5 million contract. Might even been 23. Either way. He's making about and seven it, or eight and it clearly was noticed because Dallas currently has an offensive line holding out. I think very much he saw what he got and he recognized, you know, uh, kind of, you know, the, the financial commitment that another uh, another Super Bowl contender made to him. And he's like, hey, man, why am I not getting paid? It's hard to believe that those two events aren't at least uh, semi linked or correlated. Yeah. So now there is almost a log jam on the Bills offensive line. And, and that's a good problem to have because last year, Josh Allen was running for his life way more times than he should have been. And one of the big reasons for that was on the left side with Roger Saffold. You know, there's that clip going around on Twitter during the playoff game against Cincy where he was just a turnstile. So out goes Roger Saffold. In comes Connor McGovern. They have Ryan Bates still. They drafted Osiris Torrance. And then they had a bunch of free agent additions. Guys like David Edwards, Kevin Jarvis. They brought back... Yeah, uh, Brandon Shell playing right tackle. They brought back David Questenberry. Mike Butker got re-signed. So there, there are so many guys here. We're talking about the defensive line. Maybe some of these guys are up for trade candidates as well. Yeah, it no longer feels like we're just looking for warm bodies for training camp. You know, the grueling of training camp, Kevin. It kind of, kind of feels like whoa. Every uh, on any given Sunday, these guys can be a, you know utility for the team. Um, and the best part is, Kev. They're all learning multiple positions. So you don't just have a stringent left guard anymore. You have a guy that's can maybe can be a swing tackle because there's footwork. Uh, you have multiple people that can, uh, you know, be uh, be suitable um, and be serviceable uh, in multiple positions. And it no longer feels like, hey, we're going to bring in 15 offensive linemen because of the grueling toll of the St. John Fisher heat. Now it's like we're going to bring in 15 offensive linemen to compete for, you know, five spots. And Nick Broker, another one. Seventh round rookie. They drafted him. And even that, I was like, holy cow, they are just attacking the guard position hard. And, you know, that's a good thing because you want to protect Josh Allen. That's the main thing. 
but I was just a little confused with how they were going about it because they were drafting and signing so many interior offensive linemen. And, you know, Spencer Brown is another guy that you know personally. So I want to ask you about Spencer because I was a critic of not only Spencer Brown's play, but also how the Bills addressed that side where they didn't really do anything in the draft or free agency. They brought back David Questenberry, but he's 32 years old, and I think he's already reached his ceiling. He's not going to be getting any better. But I love that they brought in Brandon Shell, who saw some of his best days in Miami last year. So that made me feel better. But how do you feel about the right tackle position? And what can you tell us about Spencer? Um, I feel like you're trying to pin me with all my relationships. <laughs> no, 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 no. Of course not. I mean, <laughs> okay. And that being said, no, Spencer's yo. He looks great, man. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, secrets out, man. He shouldn't have played the first three or four games last year with that back. He got it taken care of uh, this off season. Uh, he looks great. I mean, I've never seen a six ten guy uh, kind of move and shake at my botch tournament like that. Um, and I don't know. I'm fired up, man. Like I, I, I have, it's almost like, I feel like, you know, he's a big corn fed guy from, you know, from Northern Iowa. Like any, any, any carries, I think we said it last week. He carries, he carries the nasty of what I saw kind of in Richie and, uh, and, and people hate this, but kind of, kind of Cody Ford had, was operating with that a little bit. So I hope he brings the nasty. I have, uh, a healthy Spencer Brown is going to be awesome. A healthy Kyrie is going to be awesome. A healthy Poyer, a healthy Micah Hyde. Uh, all these positional things are. I mean, how many how many people on the on the roster right now do you think you could name on the Bills? And is it the most ever you ever could? Because they're all relevant multi-tool players that uh, that that can that, that can have real real value. Uh, you know, in any position and, and just imagine like, yo, put it this way. If Spencer Brown leaves and goes to another team, you'd hate playing them. Yeah. You'd hate it. Yeah. So, I mean, we should value value and, and, and let's be, uh, you know, less, less, I think critical. He does. He deserve any, any critique he puts on film. Yes. But Northern Iowa guy didn't play a senior season. COVID had the back issue last year, but he's six ten, this physical specimen that runs and uh, gets after play helps Josh up. Let's let, let's not let's not like denigrate his like utility into terms of like don't we want to build a team around that attitude coming back and just you know give him give him what he he's he's due he's due a clean slate this year of how hurt he was last year so I, I'm excited for Spencer Brown I'll 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 die on that hill that he's gonna be the dude this year. All right, well about 20 minutes into the show we have 46 people in here. I want to thank everyone who is in this show tonight, whether you're watching on YouTube or hey, they're buzzing. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Uh, maybe we're buzzing now. Yeah, uh, I, I, I certainly am. <laughs> but no matter where you're watching, we appreciate it, and we appreciate all the comments coming our way. And once again, I want to thank Sons of Erie for being the sponsor of tonight's show. So with that, Jeff, before we bring Bryce on, let's talk about some other positions in general because I think the wide receiver room is also very interesting to talk about. And I know Bryce is going to tell us some of his thoughts and based on what he wrote in his article, but what are your initial thoughts on that wide receiver room and kind of segueing into the tight ends because apparently Dalton Kincaid can be a new slot receiver for the Bills. And so can Nyan Himes. You know, you know, and it's so can Hardy. I think this is a dynamic room that is going to pose a lot of coverage matchups. Um, I thought about more after last week, and you know I'm very critical that we don't have a running back that forces uh, a team to put eight in the box. Do we need it now? 
and this is a, I'm a critic of my own my own opinion. Uh, oh man, a lot of these guys can play a lot of different s- spots. And if bunch and like Patriot and like a, and like a Celtic wide spread, um, and they and they pose problems. Uh, you know, does it hurt that Beasley got signed to the Giants? Are we not talking about that? No, because yeah. because Cole Beasley is a newer Giant, does, a, a New York Bill. Does anybody does anybody know where John Brown is right now? No, because because we're not we're not sad on what we were we've evolved and now we're moving and i'm excited to see something completely different and uh i'll say one thing with all these guys and you better be ready to play man and that's you know uh because dorsey's gonna expect it from you because dorsey's not you know deaf dumb and blind you know what i'm saying he's uh he's gonna be want to be moving fast and he's gonna be uh he's gonna he's gonna want to be dynamic and whatever it takes whoever it takes to get his vision out on a on a, on a play call set or a personnel set i think he's gonna be unafraid because uh, that's what he's got to be. He's unafraid. He's got the biggest weapon in the AFC East. You know. I said this before, and I'll say it again. This is a make-or-break year for Ken Dorsey. Now, that is a whole other rabbit hole that we can get into. We're not going to do that tonight, but this is a huge year for Ken Dorsey. While this window is wide open, with all the talent that we've been talking about, you cannot fumble the bag this year. You have to spread the field horizontally like we talked about last week. You have to maximize the talent. You have to use all of your weapons. You can't be one-dimensional. And you know what? That just kind of segues into the running back room. We can go back to the wide receivers, but how do you feel about the running back room? Because I really like no, this. No, 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 no. You start. Because I don't know. Okay. I'll start. I think that's <laughs> I, No, I think that's an okay opinion to have. I don't know. I, I, I'm, just kind of like, wait and see. Is, that's okay, right? Like there's a lot of there's a lot of people that like do a lot of different things, and um, I think we have to be real. Like the running back play is not going to dictate this offense. You know what I mean, Kev? Like it's it's just not going to dictate anything. It didn't dictate it last year or anything like that. So I think it's okay not to have a running back opinion right now. I think uh, they'll keep dynamic people. I think some of these players might need to find another role within special teams to really justify keeping them, because there are some expendable contracts on there. Um, but I don't, I'm not dumb enough to think that running back play is, is ever going to be at the forefront of who we are, uh, on offense as an identity. So I think it's okay not to have an opinion and wait and see. Yeah. You know, wait and see. That's my opinion. Well, you know, I'm glad you said that because I agree running the ball is never going to be the bills identity while Josh Allen is a bills quarterback, at least in his prime right now, 27 year old Josh Allen. But this is a huge year. I just talk about how this is a make or break year for Ken Dorsey. Part of that means that you have to be able to run the ball in certain situations. When teams are just teeing off on you playing that too high cover shell, you have to be able to hand it off to guys like Damian Harris or James Cook. To keep him on, to keep, that's a great, that, you know, that's a great concept thing. You, you have to keep them honest. Yes. You, they, they don't have to fear you, but you have, they, there has to be a real threat that they, there could be like there. You need to play some uh, cover zero cover one. There, there needs to be a real threat of a leaking back out, and you might need to commit your middle linebacker to some coverage. But that is a brilliant point. They don't need to fear the running back, but they need to respect it. Because if you're just playing too high bail or a Tampa two, like it's a, it's a limited success model. Well, you know, I'm not saying that Damian Harris has to come in and be Derrick Henry, but Damian Harris can come in and do what he did in 2021 and that is rushed for over 900 yards and 15 touchdowns now last year he only played in 11 games due to injury he had to play and share snaps with the Ramondre Stevenson who kind of upgraded him as the RB1 which is 
part of the reason why Damon Harris came here. But Harris only ran for 462 yards and I believe three touchdowns last year. So he's not coming off that good of a season, but we know what he can do. And that is be that power back in goal line situations, short yarded situations, take some of the pressure off of Josh so he doesn't have to take those big hits. And that is why you get a guy like Damian Harris and Latavius Murray, who can also be that veteran presence to help someone like Josh Allen out. Kev, I think we have to, uh, going forward, if we keep doing this, we have to uh, like um, issue some superlatives at the end of every podcast. And I have an early nomination for the spiciest take of the night. Uh, Trey Williams, if uh, Bills get to the AFC Championship or better, Dorsey leaves next year for a head coaching job. Your thoughts? Well, he was interviewing with Carolina during the playoffs. So, I mean, that's not too crazy to think of because you want that new up-and-coming offensive mind. How do we go for this is a make-or-break year, too, if it's good? He's gone. That's crazy. That, that, <laughs> well, that's his opinion. I, I mean, I don't no, know. no, I'm, I'm just saying. Okay, so that's our first nomination. Well, Best, well, wildest, coolest. Yeah, probably that could work out. Maybe not. Take of the night. <laughs> well, I will we'll say winning cures everything. So if the Bills win the Super Bowl, like Trey's saying right here, or what did you say, get to the AFC Championship or better, I think people are going to forget about the lackluster offensive season, at least down the stretch last year for Ken Dorsey. If he can right his wrongs, then people are going to be saying, oh, my God, I love Ken Dorsey. He is the best offensive mind. We're going to lose him like Brian Dable. We didn't like Brian Dable at first. Anybody I, I that says they like Brian Dable, like, prove I'll it. admit, I, I hosted a radio show at Fredonia State. Uh, the Bills played the Browns. It was in 2019. I was hosting the postgame show, and I went on this rant about Brian Dable and why the Bills need to think about replacing him. So I will admit right there. I, mean, I, I wanted Josh Rosen. <laughs> Happens to all of us, guys. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it all depends on what the bills can do in the win column or not, because if, if they blow it again, then, you know, people are going to be saying that Ken Dorsey needs to go, but if they win, then Dorsey's probably going to be getting a lot of interviews and, you know, they're going to be looking for the next bright new offensive mind to lead their, their team. I mean, Ken Dorsey, this is your Geno Smith year. <laughs> so, okay. Going back to the running backs here. What are your thoughts on James Cook? Because tying this in with Ken Dorsey, I think that is a huge area where the Bills can improve. We talked about Damian Harris being that short improve. yardage back. But how about getting the screen game going again? I wanted the screen game so bad. I thought that they were going to revolutionize what they had with Fred Jackson and C.J. Spiller last year, but it just never materialized. Yeah. And I James mean Cook... What do you have? 89 rushes for 570 yards off the top of my head. I'll have to double check. Naeem Hines, they acquired him at the trade deadline. He had five rushing attempts, six receptions. Maybe it was the other way around, but either way, he touched the ball 11 times in a couple of months that he was here. That cannot happen. You have to figure out a way to use these guys. And again, I'm not saying that they have to be a Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb. But look what Kansas City did last year with the seventh round draft pick in Isaiah Pacheco. Learn how to use your players. I mean, that you draft. That's a brilliant. Look, look, look at how many. Look at the run uh, the Patriots are on, and they had Danny Woodhead. You know, <laughs> it was almost like plug and play guys. Like you use what you're given. You know, you can't cook a cake if you don't, you know, have flour. But at the same time, you can make something, you know, that's serviceable and will feed some guests. That was a good analogy. I just, I just made that up. Actually, wasn't that good, but like, yeah, I'm proud of it. So, 
Okay, so going back to the wide receivers <laughs> here. So, um, you know, I don't mean to exclude you guys. If you have any thoughts, please, um, you know, feel free to share. Want to say, I forgot to say this earlier, make sure you smash that like button. I haven't been saying that lately, but make sure you smash that like button. We got 51 people in here. Subscribe to Buffalo Fanatics if you haven't already. Follow us on Twitter. Follow Bryce when he comes on. And, uh, yeah, let's have a good night here as it is July 23rd, training camp two days away. So going back to the wide receiver room, let's not talk about the Stephon Diggs situation because I hope that that is over. No, because there is no situation. And hopefully we already settled that on one of our previous episodes. So, you know, Diggs is a fiery competitor, and we'll leave it at that. Let's hope, again, tying this in with Ken Dorsey, let's hope that he learns how to have a balanced attack with Diggs at the forefront. And I'll leave it at that. Now, going to wide receiver two, Gabe Davis. I think we had a comment in here about Gabe. I would have to go back and find it. But... I think we can all agree that Gabe needs to improve. I remember it. Um, my As Asperger's brain remembered it. It was, uh, it was, I believe, it was Jessica saying, uh, you know, it's unfair, uh, you know, kind of the narrative around Gabe with his injury. Um, yeah, a lot of those things are, are going to be. It's tough, you know. It's tough. Injuries happen, man. Um, and we are too hard on players because we want it and we're, we've been starved for it so bad. I do think this is going to be a great year for Gabe. I do, I do think the hype was a little too too, too big for his britches. Kev, come on. His last game, he's, he's left with a uh, four-touchdown performance and a loss away. How does that not become like the bat signal that we're going to expect, you know, week one? And, man, he, he, he played well, but um, – you know, are we too are we too hard? Like, you know, injuries happen. Like we 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 called up John Brown, you know, last year. We got bees back. We didn't even call him up. We called him out of retirement. Yeah, we, we called Chris Hogan last year. Hogan's a buddy of mine. We, yeah, I played it Chris with Mammoth. He was like, dude, I'm done. I'm playing like I'm I'm training for lacrosse now. You they know? actually called him? Oh no, hundred percent. Yeah, they called him to work it out. And he's like, I'm done. You know, Chris you heard Hogan. it here first. No, I hope it's news to me. I mean, it's not good news. <laughs> Cause we don't want to be that. That's why it's not good news. We don't want to like, you know, stitch together a, a late, you know, a late run with uh, players that have, you know, been with the organization and to some degree they're plug and play because they have played in this offense. Um, that's kind of the reason they were signed. It's not because it was like an open opportunity because, you know, if, if John Brown was so integral to our playoff run, uh, why wasn't he on the roster week one? You know, it's, 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 you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, plug some holes because injuries do happen. The most healthy you're going to be all season is the day before the first day of contact. It's just what it is. And it's about so mitigating and take care of yourself. Tuesday <laughs> coming up in two days is going to be right the now, healthiest day of the year right the now, Bills. right now when they're home and with their families in like a Zen state is the healthiest they're ever going to be mind, body and soul, Kevin. <laughs> it's just what it is. So I, I think with Gabe Davis, expectations were too high. Coming off of that 13 seconds game, four touchdowns, what, 213 yards or something crazy like that. But I think the numbers that he put up last year were very shallow. And I think that we need to find a happy medium for Gabe, where I don't think he has to go off every single week like he did in Kansas City. But I think you want him to get at least 60, 70 receptions, 1,000 yards. And I don't want to put a number on for touchdowns, but... I would have to look up his stats just so we know exactly what we're going off of because I do remember the one stat he had a 52% catch rate. That's not going to cut it. So that's a big one that that sticks out. 
But the one thing that I'll say before I let you jump in here is that I think that the Bills did a great job of building around Gabe, where I think someone might have said it in the comments where it was too much pressure on Gabe. Maybe that was our pressure that we put on him, but you get someone like Justin Shorter, and I think that's perfect, where that wasn't an indictment on Gabe saying, hey, we drafted this guy in the first round, so that means your time is up. Justin Shorter is simply here for more depth and competition and to push Gabe along. You get someone like Deontay Hardy in here, Trent Sherfield, more veterans, more depth and competition where they're not showing Gabe the door. They're simply just boosting him up more and giving Josh more weapons. Yeah, Jessica just said Gabe was asked to be uh, number two last year and then has to be a full-time blocking wide receiver. Touchdown. Yeah, we don't run the ball. So, I mean, full-time full-time blocking wide receiver is disingenuous. And Jessica, while that is pretty accurate, he was asked to block a lot last year. That signals to me that he's not afraid of hard work. He doesn't have the diva mentality. And if you're asking a wide receiver to block, especially towards a wide sweeping or uh, wide boundary run, you think that he is reliable enough that if he hits that block, they can bust it. They can bust it wide open. So I, while it's not what you typically see out of wide receiver, when you ask – a wide receiver that consistently to block, which you are correct. Uh, that tells me he's not afraid of hard work or the stat line, which I mean, it's not what people want to see, but like, I love that, man. That's awesome. Edelman wasn't scared to block. You know what I mean? Uh, Randy Moss on the like, flip side of the coin was never asked to, you know what I mean? Uh, Amendola, uh, you know, um, uh, Debo, Debo Samuel. He's not got the ball. Like he's he's gonna get ten, he's gonna get tenacious with that. So I think that that's a bad badge of honor. Like you're not scared of the hard work or or or, or think you're bigger than because uh, your your job uh, encompasses so many things on the football field rather than one that people think you're you're typical of you. You know the quarterback is just not the quarterback. We all agree that he needs to know every position. But a wide receiver isn't absolved if you want to be good in this league, independable from 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 blocking and getting nasty when you're called upon because that's how big runs are, are are busted wide open in my opinion. But I know nothing so. We have another comment here that I want to touch on before I uh, tell you Gabe's stats that I was able to find. So from Season Beast, I'm trying to start a comedy podcast myself and love seeing you guys growing and doing so well. Keep it going. Go Bills. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure no, yeah, the real comedy is me having to tell my wife, like, hey, we're going to do a podcast in my kitchen again. <laughs> so to think to think that that's uh, that's sustainable. That's the real comedy. So thanks, man. I really appreciate the comment, dude. I'm, this is new for me. Yeah, well, any way that we can help you guys, you know, feel free to let us know. You know, we're here for you. You're here for us. If you guys do want to sponsor this show or any other show, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Actually, all of my usernames are just at Kevin underscore Syracuse. Uh, once again, you know, Sons of Erie, as Jeff is wearing here with his hat, you can see a little graffiti in the in the background up on the cupboards. The Sons of Erie Company sponsoring tonight's show. If you guys want to get in on that, let me know. Um, or no, Sons of Sure. Yeah. www.sonsofyuri.com. Uh, go check that out, guys. And once again, of course, make sure to smash that like button, smash the subscribe button, and uh, you know keep keep firing away with those comments. So, all right, here are Gabe's stats, and I'm glad I pulled them up because I don't want to just talk about last year. I want to talk about his first three seasons in general. So, his his rookie year, 62 targets, 35 receptions, 599 yards, and seven touchdowns. 2021, 63 targets, 35 receptions again, 549 yards, and six touchdowns. And then last year, 93 targets, 48 receptions, 
836 yards and six touch or excuse me, seven touchdowns. So I think if he's going to get targeted that much as a wide receiver too, because now you don't have someone like an Emmanuel Sanders or a John Brown taking snaps away. I, I think if you're going to give Gabe 90 to hundred targets, I want to see him with at least 60 receptions and at least 1000 yards. And it seems like he's around six or seven touchdowns every year. And you know what? Maybe that's okay because they have Justin Shorter and Dalton Kincaid and Deontay Hardy. So maybe I shouldn't say that Gabe needs to have 10 touchdowns, but I think we need to see an improvement in just about every statistical category. I mean, if you're going to give him 90 targets, you better give him an extension. Well, that could be on the horizon too. You know, we talked about that last week. Kevin Masser had some details on that just based on some things that that he knows and, and he's heard. So, I mean, that could be something that gets done in training camp. And you hope it does. If it is on the table. if What's your thought? Is it? Got to be, right? I mean, I don't know anything, but I think Brandon Bean works in mysterious ways in a good way. I had no idea you, that. Did you, just, did you just call him the Lord? <laughs> did I? <laughs> the Lord works in mysterious ways? That's where that phrase comes from. <laughs> okay. But Brandon Bean, works. I like that, though. I might start using that at church. <laughs> there we go. Um, where was I? Oh, Brandon Bean. Yeah. I, <laughs> I had no idea that Ed Oliver was getting extended. That came out of nowhere. I was on my way to the bandits game and I looked at my phone four years, 68 million. Congrats bandits. Congrats. Ed Oliver. That's awesome. That's a big contract, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe Gabe gets extended tomorrow for all we know before they even show up to training marco marco's saying just stop dropping easy balls gabe uh if you want some like nerdy uh performative things of my thoughts on that uh watch a lot of film gabe uh gabe doesn't gabe kind of rounds his routes a little bit and he never uh has his hands ready not i shouldn't say never that's an unfair critique on on drop balls it does not appear that he feels confident that the ball is coming his way because Josh is so spicy and has such arm strength you come out of a break you need to come out of that break uh, expecting the ball to be thrown at you um and i don't know if that was kind of like you know he he realized he was dropping some balls so he felt like he was a low priority but you yo know, you you come out with any an, an 80 break a jerk and whatever uh, in that route tree you need to expect the ball coming to you and i uh i just noticed something a little weird with him like it, it just it never seemed like he had his hands prepared and expected like he was going to get the ball. And you need to do that in this league because with a quarterback that talented, you know, he can spread it. He can spread it like a, you know, butter on rye, dude. So, well, you know, I, I, I do agree with that point because if you take the drop passes that he had pro football reference has him with nine drop passes, which was up there in the top tier, I would have to look at the list, but he was one of the lead candidates in drop passes. So if you take his average of 17.4 yards per reception, multiply that by nine, if he were to catch all nine of those, that's 156 yards right there. And that pretty much gets him to 1,000 yards. So that is huge right there where he just needs to simply hang on to the ball. Well, what about L, that's a great comment, dude. When you spread the ball around so many different talents, targets, and that's going to look different. It's fair. And they're going to look a lot more different this year because, I mean, no one's arguing that this 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 room, this uh, this arsenal of weapons Josh has, he's never had before, man. He's never he's never had it before. Yeah. So, you know, I, I agree because maybe I shouldn't put numbers on someone like Gabe, because if I'm saying that Ken Dorsey needs to spread the ball around more, maybe that means Gabe doesn't become a thousand yard receiver. But maybe that means 
He has 900 yards and eight touchdowns, but Justin Shorter has 500 yards and Deontay Hardy has 500 and Trent Sherfield has 400, something like that. Do the, do the litmus test. Everybody can, this applies to everybody. Do the litmus test. If he goes to a uh, AFC East rival, are you upset? Abe, yes. Graham Himes, maybe not. Dawson Knox, absolutely. I'm, I'm furious. Spence Brown, furious. Um, that's kind of it's, it's always been a good litmus test for me. Like, yo, DeAndre Hopkins goes to you know, I don't know the Patriots. Do I care? Probably not. Probably not. I would. You say DeAndre Hopkins? Let's not do this. Let's stop. Let's just put the microphones right down. To, like, take two seconds, and we'll just. Okay, what do you want to talk about next? <laughs> I think this is a good time to bring Bryce Martino in because Bryce wrote an article about the wide receiver room, and I think this is a perfect spot, even if we didn't have that two seconds of silence. No, it's good I, to I reset. Bryson and see what he thinks about this because I know he's been a big Gabe Davis guy, and like I said, he wrote the article. So let's hear Bryce's thoughts as we welcome Bryce Martino to the show. Bryce, how are you doing tonight? Doing fantastic. How about you guys? Good, good, good. Uh, it's uh, 1024 here, July 23rd. Can I talk about the weather real quick? How perfect of a day was that today? Just 80 degrees and sunny. You can't beat it. That That's part of the reason why this show is so late, because we just have to soak up that sun while it's here, because we all know we're going to be freezing our butts off at Highmark Stadium in just a few weeks. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to interrupt yeah, there. Thanks. Yeah, I'm six foot three, 285 pounds. Uh, and I'm also uh, I'm also come from uh, Irish immigrant family. Uh, it wasn't a great day for me. And I hope there's someone in the chat that empathizes with that. Um, my body aches and uh, every part of my body is either uh, aching or sunburned. Played a lot of golf. Forty five holes yesterday. So, hey, you know what I heard, by the way? Kyle Williams, like scratch golfer. Big guy can move. No way. Ed Ed rides horses. (laughs) Like, man, multifaceted people. Oh, no, no, yo, season beast, we didn't take that way. We just, we're we're, we're riffing off you, man. Uh, Definitely drop the link to your podcast, man, uh, if you get it started, um, because Kevin and I will be uh, doing this for a little bit. So, Bryce, what's up, dude? Not too much, man. I'm feeling great right now. Feeling excited for training camp gonna go to a couple this year so feeling excited feeling ready for a season to start now bryce let me lead you in here because uh john brings up someone that i have failed to mention so far and that is khalil shakir and i've been a big khalil shakir guy so let's just get right into it with these wide receivers including khalil shakir and we we really haven't talked about the slot receiver position yet i mean i mentioned it with dalton kincaid but I want to get your thoughts, Bryce, because now we have Deontay Hardy, Khalil Shakir, Trent Sherfield. When when he was on One Bills Live after they signed him, they said, where did the Bills envision you playing? Did they tell you? And he said, yeah, I think they like me in the slot. And I was like, huh? Sounds like you like Kincaid in the slot based on what you just said. Me? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Khalil Shakir guy. All I right. also like Deontay Hardy. I mean – I do like Kincaid and using him in different ways, especially if Dawson Knox is the seventh highest paid tight end in the NFL. You want both of those guys to be on the field and, and getting receptions and targets and yards and not just being used for blocking. And really, Kincaid wasn't even a blocker in college. So I do want them to be used in different ways, but I'm just trying to figure out how they're going to do this. So Bryce, w- w- what do you think about this uh, slot receiver position and just the wide receivers as a whole? Yeah, I'm feeling excited about the slot receiver position. You mentioned Khalil Shakir. I'm a big fan of his. I've been 
you know, I've been a quiet supporter of his all off season, much, much different than Gabe Davis last season when I said he's going to be an all pro. So hopefully it works out better this year. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, it's going to be Shakir and Deontay Hardy battling for his slot position and it's no shot at Trent Shurfield, but just the money that they paid Deontay Hardy, I expect him to get uh, more reps at training camp this year. Um, now, I do like Shakir more in the slot to start start the year week one. We'll see how it goes. But in limited snaps, he played at slot last year. He did pretty well. Um, if I can find his stats, he had 10 receptions for 161 yards and one touchdown during the regular season. See, along and with and five that's the problem right there. One yards in postseason. Not to cut you off, but 10 receptions for 161 yards? Every time that guy touched the field, he produced. And he did speaking produce, of Gabe yeah. Davis, you know, Khalil Shakir hung onto the ball. And he made some big plays when his name was called upon. He maximized his opportunities, that's he for did. sure. He was fantastic in limited snaps he played. So I was a big Khalil Shakir guy. Bless you. And I was Not saying that. that he needs to be the starting slot receiver. And now they signed Deontay Hardy. Trent Shurfield, I guess they're going to try him in the slot, maybe. Uh, Dalton Kincaid. So now maybe there's a log jam at the slot receiver position. Again, it's a good problem to have. But when they signed uh, Trent Shurfield and drafted Justin Shorter, I envisioned them as being those possession receivers. And that's something that the Bills lacked last year, where they didn't have that guy to just run down, you know, just a simple curl route where it's right. seven, eight yards, go get the first down. Everything Something was like Cole Beasley did. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think Cole was like that, Bryce? I think I think Cole fit his body into some unique spaces and tight windows, but I don't think – I just – I don't think he was a big enough body, I think. And I don't think – you know, he was he was explosive off the line, but he um, – unless he was, like, fitting a seam, I don't think he ever, ever, ever – I can't remember, Bryce, maybe you can. I don't think he ever got to the sticks. I think he was he was a he was a almost like a, a hot route. I think he was a very very big wheel. Uh, sorry, not wheel, like like an upcycled vertical guy. But I don't, I don't know. Do you, I don't know. You, you tell me because I'm I'm confused. I I'm not confused. I'm just I'm unsure of my own opinion. Well, you do have a point there, but I will say this: Cole Beasley, when he ran a slant or a curl route, he was phenomenal. You know, he was Josh Allen's go-to guy in 2020 and 2021. But I don't know. My issue with Sherfield is can he step on the field and play a consistent amount of football where you're going to see a big uptick in production from, you know, him, him with Miami to him now with Buffalo. Cause uh, Kevin, you did mention there's a log jam at the slot receiver position. And I'm not even going to include Dalton Kincaid there because I feel like we're going to run more too tight on sets. Well, do you, do you think it'd be you, is the reason you don't include Kincaid because of too tight end sets? Kevin thinks he's a slot guy, or do you think that like you know? Well, I, I never said that he was a, totally a slot guy. I just said that it seems like check they, tape. they want Bryce, to Bryce. Check him. the tape, Bryce. Check the tape. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like we also have to understand this guy came from University of San Diego, one double A guy. He only played what I guess That's what one. We're talking about? Kincaid. Kincaid. Oh, it was Utah. Utah. Sweetheart. He started at San. He transferred to Utah. 
the University of San Diego, that's that's one that's my wee house. I thought you were talking about where they drafted him from. No, yeah, but like that's how he started his career. So the, the, what I would say, Bryson, I don't know, is that he's still growing into his game. Like clearly, like he was he was one double A talent, much like me, nothing wrong with it. Um it, but he grew to a, like almost is Utah power five? We'll call it power five. He grew to a power five talent. So it likes it makes me think that like you know, he's going to he's going to keep climbing and we haven't seen the apex of his talent. So maybe harvest that. I mean, I still think the less you put on field of Kincaid, the more you could surprise you. So why don't you take those fucking growth weeks when we're still trying to figure out our room and not trying to plug him into a, a role that we don't even know if he can play in the NFL? Well, again, I mean, I, I'm not a big advocate saying that Dalton Kincaid needs to be the starting slot receiver. I'm just saying that his name has been circled around a lot of rumors saying that they're going to use him for that Cole Beasley role. And I guess the point that I'm trying to make is how do we see this shaking out when you have so many guys that can play the slot? You have a lot of guys. So many NFL play veterans. Tight end yeah. room now, yeah. And then you still have some guys on the outside. And, and, you know, going back to Trent Sherfield, the play that sticks out in my mind that I love, and this is what I want the Bills to use him for, San Francisco? Yep. Yep. Yep, I knew it. Where he was that outside receiver, caught it over the yeah. middle of the field, and he turned on the Jets, Got did up the rest. Field. Got upfield. Up Didn't even have to just just here's my here's my uh here's my physical uh <laughs> my physical athletic subset. It's better than yours. See you in the end zone. So so that's what I envision with Trent Sherfield is kind of being like that Jake Kumaro, but like a glorified healthier Jake Kumaro. And it's and a better Kumaro too. Bryce, doesn't it think we never got to see Kumaro last year? Or you don't think he would I was excited to see Kumaro, you know, after that touchdown against who was it, San Francisco? few years ago i wanted to see him so bad me too man then he got hurt against miami and we just never saw him again i don't know if he just left buffalo or what so but bryce was- i'm gonna put bryce who's who's on the outside looking in right now and who has the ability to change it by the end of camp isaiah hodgins oh wait whoops wow you're at the slot position or just in, yeah, the, in the wide receiver room who is on the outside currently looking in and uh, you, who do you think has the best uh, the best chances of changing that that sentiment? So on the outside looking in, just just right now, it's yeah, it's tough because I oh, can I see, know, man. I don't know if any of these guys, besides you know the undrafted practice squad guys, get cut. Because right now you're looking at Diggs, uh, Gabe, Shakir. Hardy, Sherfield, and Justin Shorter. I don't know if you can cut any of them. Because right now Bryce, I agree. You can't cut a draft pick. I know some teams do, but you know, Buffalo hasn't in years past. Then you paid um what's his face? Deontay Hardy a decent amount of money. So you're not gonna cut him. And then Sherfield, out they didn't pay him tons of money, but he still produced in Miami last year. So you're not gonna cut him either. So right now what you're looking at is, what, six, five, six, seven guys making roster at wide receiver. I don't have an issue with it, but, you know, maybe but we it's going to take away from another position group. It is going to take away. Maybe tight end because right now you're looking at three guys making it. You got, you got what, Knox? You got Q? Yeah, you got, the three guys are playing what, Knox, Q, and Kincaid? Yeah. yeah, with Gilliam Bobby, at fullback. Bobby, Bobby Hart's not back. <laughs> I don't know. Do you take yeah, away from tight end, or do you take away from be. someone on the offense? On the offensive line, I should say. 
I mean, is Quinn Morris's job in jeopardy? Would they roll with two tight ends? I don't think so. But, you know, going off this conversation, if they like their wide receivers and if Kincaid is that special, would they potentially get rid of Quentin Morris? I mean, you they have Randy Williams for that role. End. You see that third tight end. You, Tommy Doyle comes back for your jumbo package. You got you to believe Tommy. I mean, he's caught a touchdown pass. That, that is Quentin. You know, you got you got to believe uh, we do run it. a lot. Of, we do run a lot of jumbo, right? For, uh, we, I mean, we run a ton of jumbo. You got to you got to remember if, if Tommy Doyle is back and better than ever, <laughs> he's going to get a shake at. Um, I mean, he, he, he played his high school years. He was a tight end. Uh, he was a little indifferent about a match. So maybe there's a little uh, battle non-positioning. You got a, a Mac battle. You got University of Miami of Ohio's Tommy Doyle versus Bowling Green's Quentin Morris. You know, Kevin Masseri would love that being a UB guy, but. Hey, so uh, I have a question thing, for you two. One thing I want to say. Wait, wait, he's, got, he's, he's got a question for us. Well, go ahead, because this is totally off top. And you know what? Let me just squeeze it in real quick. I forgot to mention this earlier. We got hacked on our Buffalo Fanatics Twitter page. So if you're wondering why we're not live there, I said it earlier, we're live on Twitter. I saw that there was a red exclamation point saying that, that there was an error. And I was like, why is there an error? Why are we not live on Twitter? Well, we got hacked. So we're working on getting that back. But uh, we do have a backup account. It's at Buff Fanatics. We're not live right there on now. I mean, you guys are probably watching on YouTube anyways. But if you're wondering, that's why. Okay, I just want to throw that in there. Go ahead. I'm, I'm Bryce. I'm kind of scared of this. <laughs> so my question is, if you want to run more two tight end sets, you can't really cut um, Quinn Morris. So who do you take away from? Because you've got to keep three three tight ends and then uh, Reggie Gilliam. So where do you... What? Why do we have to keep Reggie Gilliam? I was gonna say, could why Reggie, is that a foregone conclusion? Could Reggie Gilliam be the odd man out? Can someone in the comments I, he tell me why a foregone conclusion? Damn it! It was just last year before Week One that he signed his extension. So, do you really want to cut him? What's his utility? <laughs> I mean, who's he got Tennessee, dirt on? Like, that Tennessee game. <laughs> I don't he, know. He man. showed his stuff against the Titans. You know, there there was that one stat. I can't remember. This is a very in-depth stat. So not a good start. I, I, I wouldn't be able to remember <laughs> the stats anyways, but the Bills' offensive numbers were a lot better when Reggie Gilliam was on the field last year. I saw that probably around November when the offense started to sputter. I am deeply interested about who is able to quantify that that ethos. We were just better when he was on the field. <laughs> I would have to go through my – I mean, I tweet, I retweeted it back in like November or December. So, like, I don't want to sit here on the show and, you know, try to go find that tweet. But there were, like, some specific numbers that said that the Bills' offense – was better statistically proven when Reggie Gilliam was used. Yeah, I don't know. I just, it just seems like everybody, it's a foregone conclusion. And maybe I need like some nerds to tell me like why, what the dead cap is or whatever. But like, I just. So I did mind. look at, I did look at his contract. A post June 1st release is 333,000 in dead cap for this year. Okay, that's fine. 333,000 next year in dead cap. Now we do save one point six million this See, year by right them. around the uh, right around that amount of money cutting Naeem. and he I think people more worried about him making the roster. I'm not like crushing this dude. Naeem fullbacks, fullbacks need love too, but like uh, it's hard to quantify. I know fullbacks get no love, like you know, with the carries and stuff, but like moving on. Well, 
hang on. Before we move on, I, I think a big question that needs to get answered here is how much are the Bills going to run the ball? Because if they want to shift to be more of a running team and not necessarily a run team, but like we talked about earlier, just running in certain situations, I mean, that's another thing that we haven't talked about. Everything is in shotgun right now. There's no I formation. There's no play action or anything. You got a running back in the game. They're probably playing jet protection. Like, So, I mean, maybe they want to use Reggie Gilliam as a lead blocker for someone like Damian Harris or James Cook. I, I mean, who knows? Maybe they could e- exploit him in that way in ways that we haven't seen before. And also, before we change topics, when has Buffalo ever gone without a fullback, though? Because – before even before Gilliam, we were going back to Patrick Demarco, you know Frank Summers. Oh, you mean who, who, who's Jack Nicholas's um or Jack uh Nicholas's Nicholas? Uh, hey, I, I love the two stats. It was the most repetitive stats ever. Hey, did you know Chris Hogan played the cross? Uh, hey, hey, it's, it's uh, Jack Nicholas's uh it's it, it's his it's grandson, and he doesn't wear gloves. <laughs> there you go. The more you know, right? Yeah. No batting gloves. How about that? You a baseball fan? No. Last baseball game I watched was Michael Hyde's softball tournament. <laughs> hey, the Yankees swept I the love Royals. that. By the way, I love that Spencer Brown got drug tested the next day after fucking <laughs> after winning the home run derby. Corn fed. Yankees swept the Royals. I just got to throw that in real quick. Anthony Rizzo finally broke out of his slump. Four for four with the home run today, baby. First one since May 20th. So speaking nice. of Michael Hyde's uh, softball event. Um, Anthony Rizzo finally went deep. Who who was uh, who was Russell Wilson drafted by? Was it the Yankees? Because John John Elway was drafted by the Yankees. Yeah. Wilson was traded to the Yankees. He wasn't drafted by them. Oh, he was drafted by the Rangers, right? What what school did so, yeah. Kevin? What school did uh, Russell Wilson start at? I'm not sure. I mean, he not, he not was at, not, uh, not Wisconsin. Wisconsin, but NC State. Bingo. Yep. Ah, okay. Okay, so. Uh, are we good with the wide receiver talk? I mean, if we have any other comments or questions, feel free to hit no, us no, up. No, no, I have, a, I have a question. Okay. You said, are we good? What position group are we good at? Like, let the chips fall where they may. We got what we got. Bryce, start, well, Bryce, Bryce, start Bryce with you. the article about defensive tackles. So, I mean, I think that is one where we could potentially say that we're good at. So, I mean, if you want to segue into the defensive tackles, I'm good with that because – I'm good with anything you name because I feel really confident that this is who we are. And we need to whittle. We need to whittle the baseball. We need to whittle the bat to figure out wh- where we're going to be most dynamic. You know, cranking, cranking fastballs. I think we're really set at quarterback. Okay, I'll, quickly, quickly. Kyle Allen's our backup. Josh's buddy. Yeah. God damn it! What if Josh Allen gets hurt? Then we got to go with Kyle Allen. Josh's buddy. We'll just call him hey, Josh's buddy. You know, I, I was actually thinking about this earlier. If Allen gets hurt, I don't even want to think about this. Which... But if Kyle Allen has to play, that would force Ken Dorsey to be able to spread the ball around because you can't do superhuman things with your quarterback anymore. He's not going to be on Madden mode. Kyle Allen is not on the cover of Madden for a reason. Josh is. So that's something to think about, but I don't want to think about it too long. So let's move on. All right. So, okay. So, so our backup is Josh's buddy, right? And Matt Barkley. Can't forget Matt Barkley. The GOAT punter last year. So, Bryce, I mean, do you want to get into the defensive tackles now? Is that a position that you think that the Bills are set on? 
Yeah, we can trans we can move over to that. Um I love our depth there. You know, we after last year all the injuries that we had uh late in the season and the postseason, we really added to that our room. Bringing in DJ Dale, Puna Ford, brought back Jordan Phillips. I love all those additions. Um was it, wasn't it nice to see them commit some real capital? And not just uh, Oh, it was. And not just like one year, like veteran, like, uh, well, if you're not doing anything else, you want to play for the Bills. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, we've seen that in years past. You know, even with Daquan Jones' two year deal, we haven't, we don't really put a lot of money towards that position for one reason or another. Yeah, I think the last finally time. They they saw, last finally, time they did it with Ed Oliver. Yeah, we passed on Harrison. We had a great year. Um, yeah. You know, it almost seems like we got a bad taste in our mouth with uh, Darius. And I don't know why either. It wasn't even this regime that gave Darius all that money. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, what are our thoughts about the uh, – go ahead, Bryce, yeah. No, I was just saying I love this room. You know, Puna Ford and Daquan Jones, you know, I feel like Puna can – can be what Daquan Jones is, only a younger version and more long-term. You know, because they, they both have the same role. They both play, you know, the one-tech one yeah, rushing passer, the run-stopper. And, you know, maybe that was the reason why Daquan wasn't extended. I mean, maybe that's still in the cards, but I saw that was on Twitter a lot this year, extend Daquan Jones. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Jones, extend Daquan Jones. He's on a contract here right now, too. Yeah. Well, now that they have Puna Ford, that could be your future one tech. You sign him to a one-year contract, and you have – I'm going to say it right now. You signed Puna Ford to a three-year contract extension. You have him and Ed Oliver clogging up the middle for the next three years, four if you include this yeah. year. Who would you guys rather have had, extend Harrison? Or where about Puna? Don't do this to me right now. <laughs> I love Harrison Phillips, but I think what Puna Ford brings to the table Harrison. is exactly what this team needs. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Hey, yo, Bryce, who are you more uh, juiced for? Uh, Floyd or Puna? Uh, definitely Floyd. I think we needed Floyd more just for when Vaughn's out. Maybe we could segue to linebackers with this because uh, I would disagree with you, respectfully, of course. I'm- Jeff, before we do, your your mic is out. I can barely hear you. I'm just going off uh, How's that? Kevin's How microphone right now. How long has it been doing that for, Bryce? Hey, hey. Give me a moment. Uh, pretty much since we moved over to the D-tackle position. Oh, so recently. Okay. Um, yeah, he'll fix that and then uh, – Got to turn guy on the left mics up. So I think you're the guy on the left. If we're going based on the camera position. <laughs> All right. So Jeff's going to be fixing that. 
Um, Bryce, this, this gives me time to ask you, what do you think about Jeff and I's conversation about Von Miller at the beginning and kind of easing his way into things, not rushing him back and having Leonard Floyd fill that role. And then you have Greg Rousseau, maybe a big year three coming and someone that we really haven't talked about yet is Shaq Lawson. Yeah. Shaq was very good last year for the role he played and how far down he was on depth chart. Um, I don't think we put Vaughn on pop list or IR. I think he stays on 53 man and, you know, maybe he returns after two to three weeks. I think they just do that. So they have some flexibility right there with Vaughn. Um, you know, something that I just thought of not to interrupt you, but no, you're good. Maybe you would want to put Vaughn on the pup list because let's say cut down day comes and they're having a really hard decision trying to figure out who to get rid of. Maybe they say, you know what, let's just put Vaughn on the pup so we can keep X player, you know, like one of those guys on the fringe, maybe you say, you know, maybe this is our way to keep him for at least four weeks. And then Vaughn comes back and then you make decisions. And speaking of people coming back from the physically unable to perform list, I think I fixed my microphone. <laughs> is that any um, I'm assuming that's better. Now I have a question. Bryce, is it's that been a long off season. Yeah, it's better. It's better. Awesome. I can hear Thank you. you guys. What a segue. <laughs> it's been long off season and I completely blink, but how long is a pup list? Is it four or six weeks? Four weeks. I don't know. Four weeks? I think they change it where it's four weeks now and then you can come back in week five or the fifth week after. Like you have to be out for four weeks and then you can come back yeah. on that fifth week. I mean, and I think that means that you can't practice. Count as a 53 man spot. Say it again. Does that count against a 53 man roster? No, it doesn't, I don't does believe it? so. No, no, it does not. All right. So yeah, maybe you do that if you want to give him an extra two to three weeks to heal up, and then you can keep someone like maybe uh, Shane Ray or AJ Epinesa on this roster for a little while longer. I think that could be in play too. Shane Ray, I forgot about him. Oh, so so back to my point. Sorry, with the, with this Puna Ford versus Floyd thing. Uh, I like Puna Ford because we have a liability at middle linebacker, and it's it's an opportunity. We can we can swat it, S uh, strengths, weaknesses, you know, uh, opportunities, threats. Um, we're gonna have a new middle linebacker, boys, and you're gonna need a really really sound anchor in that one tech one shade to make a guy's life, you know, a bit easier. That's so, a great point. I so mean, we've talked about this on the show before. But I'm glad you brought that up because that was supposed to be Star of the Tula and Tremaine Edmonds. And look where that got us. COVID. So now, so now <laughs> you want to ease in whoever that new middle linebacker yes. is, mm -hmm. whether yeah, it's Dorian definitely. Williams or Terrell Bernard or even A.J. Klein or Terrell Dawson, who has played the position before. Either way, it's going to be a drop off because you're losing Tremaine Edmonds, just a physical specimen. He's been calling the defense for the past five years. And you want someone to take the pressure off that new middle linebacker and to take on those extra blockers to let that new middle linebacker roam around and eat up the free space. So you haven't identified who that middle linebacker is. Bryce, who is it? I got to go Dorian Williams here. I love how he fits defense. Yeah, the rookie. Um, you know, he's a new middle age or he's a new age middle linebacker. You know, some teams are going with a more smaller and faster linebacker to, <clears throat> excuse me, to man their defense. I 
I like it. You know, Baltimore has done it with uh, Raekwon Smith before. I think are, are, are you Baltimore has put us in this position? Definitely, yeah. Because well, I mean, now they kind of did that too with the money. I mean, they made Roquan that, Smith. That's what me and Bryce are saying. Yeah, they 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 paid Roquan all that money and oh, made I it. You yeah. Just getting like a newer, younger athletic. No, we're we're saying they Baltimore paid him all that catch. I mean, you know, the positional groups are always going to get reset money wise. But Bryce, isn't that kind of why we're lost Trey and we're talking about this? Tremont, yeah, I mean. It, if Baltimore doesn't pay Smith all that money, I feel like we would have gotten Tremaine Edmonds back on a shorter deal yeah. or you know, smaller deal. So you think but, they made Edmonds the fourth highest paid linebacker in the NFL? I mean, I'll I still root for I'll still root for him. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna hate, yeah I'm never gonna hate anybody for uh, you know collecting a check. But so we're gonna go from uh, Tremont Edmonds to Dorian Williams. Are you that high on him, Bryce? I am. I love him. I love how he can fit in this in this defense. He has that ability to move over to outside linebacker if you know Buffalo gets daring enough to put three linebackers on field for once. Maybe you can have Milano, Dorian, <laughs> I and like that joke. That was a good joke. <laughs> you know, funny. now with Wesley Frazier, maybe we do get daring on game days. Well, maybe okay, we maybe do now that, in Western New York. Now that we have an ex Carolina guy. Maybe we, I, I would. I kind of thought it would be AJ Klein. He did play middle linebacker in 2016 for a Sean McDermott led defense. He did play middle linebacker for McDermott, and he's been on this roster for the last what is it, three or four years now? And yeah, I still think has... I have an AJ Klein number 54 jersey, 55, 56. <laughs> but the thing is, he still hasn't been able to get on the field at middle linebacker. Last year, when Edmonds went down, it was Tyrell. Duff- <clears throat> excuse me, Tyrell Dotson, who started the next week and who finished a game for Edmonds against Minnesota. So I think the top two would have to be Dorian and Dotson. And I was, you know, Bryce, I stopped myself because I was going to ask you a question. You know, he played at Tulane, not exactly known for the best competition ever. But the reason I stopped asking you that is because Christian Benford played for Villanova and we have no problem, you know, playing for small school guys. Bills love to develop the small school or undrafted guys. We've seen it with Benford. We've seen it with Levi Wallace. <laughs> uh, Dane Jackson is one of them. Cam Lewis has even gotten reps on this defense. So McDermott and Bean love to develop these undrafted. You can even say Gabe Davis, guys. UCF. You know? So. Yeah. I mean, he was a higher pick, too. I mean, so was. Uh, <laughs> who am I thinking of? Quarterback. UCF. He said if he wasn't in the NFL, he'd just be ripping cigs and working construction. Oh, Blake Bortles. <laughs> yeah, Blake. Got <laughs> a school nation, I believe, UCF. Yeah, I'm not sure. So I'm thinking, uh, you know, someone that we really haven't talked about here is Terrell Dodson. What do we all think about Dodson being the starting middle linebacker and going off of what Bryce was saying? Three linebacker sets. Could we see more 4-3 this year? This is something that we've talked about consistently, and now that training camp is here, is Sean McDermott, as a new play caller for the Bills, hopefully a more aggressive play caller, is he going to implement more of a 4-3 look on defense where it's not just nickel, 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 nickel? Well, to be clear, we're still in 4-3. We're just in nickel personnel. Um, But could we see a third linebacker out there? No. (laughs) No. 
when more, could, when more, we, oh, could it be a more matchup based approach where we where some teams we put three linebackers out there other teams we do like a Taylor Rapp thing put him as a box safety let him do his magic yeah i mean but that's called dime that'd be uh, that'd be an even bigger reversion if we put on two uh the quote unquote defensive backs i think we get Taylor Rapp honestly not to divulge too much i think we can get Taylor Rapp on the field and like the robber and uh Bryce i mean that's probably just i know you and i have talked like he could play anything, that guy. Oh, yeah. He's, for the Rams, he's played everything. Corners, safety, linebacker. He even played a more, uh, you know, defensive line. DN, he played for like 40 snaps in his career. So he's he has that versatility. And if Buffalo is really, you know, really wants to go more of a uh, more versatile approach with their defense, more positionless football, then Taylor Rapp could be it. A you know more big addition to this defense, where he could play more box safety. He could line up in coverage, and we get more Dorian on on field too. Bryce, when you say box safety, what do you mean there? Just for the uninterrupted listeners, do, do you mean like kind of like a rock down roamer guy? Yeah, more of what Jamal Adams was with the Jets right. and is with the Seahawks, where he's you know big enough to play linebacker, can play can you know play in coverage and rush a passer it's more versatile middle linebacker slash safety position yeah i I mean i like that and and uh i think uh you you bring him into that room that's probably one of the rooms i'm most excited to be a fly on the wall on that safety room Jeez louise they haven't been i I don't think it gets talked about enough kevin we didn't they weren't they weren't healthy together for more than for more than a new york minute uh, is, I mean, the fact that Jordan Porter and Micah Hyde are back on this team and healthy and, you know, talking about Trey White and Kyrie Elam, too. I mean, those four, that is a nasty second. Yeah, you're firing me up. Yeah. Like, holy cow. When I was writing the article the other day, I mean, this will segue us into the safety rankings. But when I was writing that article the other day, I was getting juiced up thinking about those four guys healthy. You got Christian Benford healthy. You have Dane Jackson back. I mean, this is a team that signed Cameron Dantzler. And then you guys are just talking about the aforementioned Taylor. I noticed you haven't spoke about Dane Jackson. I noticed you haven't spoke about Dane Jackson yet. (laughs) I thought thought Dave Jackson and Dane Jackson was like 41. Turns out he's like 26. (laughs) I feel like he's been cut, added, you know, more times than like. Nah, they love Dane. More times than like Will Compton in Tennessee. John says uh, Rap was not signed for one season to sit the bench. So, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think they're going to deploy him in in different ways. I mean, that goes for all the other guys that we're talking about, too. I mean, Dorian Williams, Terrell Bernard. Rap Rap uh, baited Tom Brady uh, in in like that that robber kind of Tampa, too. Uh, The responsibility there is if uh, anything converges out, he can can get it. But he's free to he's free to jump anything in front. Picked off Tom Brady, I believe, once or twice last year. Like Tom Brady's seen every coverage and has been pretty pretty effective with it. I mean, I don't know. I'm juiced about that guy. That's great. Oh man, I'm I'm hyped. That's awesome. I mean that that secondary is going to be really really nice. I I can still not believe that they were able to get Jordan Poyer back and or wrap so cheap. Well, speaking of being cheap, do you know how high? Jordan Poyer, or maybe I should say how low Jordan Poyer is paid. Do you know 
Uh, let's not do this. He is play. He is paid what somebody was going to pay him. He's already tested the free market capitalistic system of the United States of America, of which we were built. You're worth what someone will pay. But considering what we thought was going to happen, that he was going to get his bag in Miami or Dallas, he is the 25th highest paid safety right now in the NFL. My eyes just completely burst out when I saw that the other night. I was like, wait, 25th highest paid safety? He's not even top 10, let alone top 20. 25th highest paid safety, making over $7 million per year. Or excuse me, making over six. They signed him two well, years, 12 and a half. Let's, let's have this little powwow, Kevin. Do you think some people just subscribe that he just owns our defensive scheme so much and that's why he's so effective? Is because that is the scheme that we run. And it's it's kind of a touch different, Bryce. We're you brought it up before. Like we are so unwilling to play conventional, you know, three, four, three, three, three. Like we just, it's not the Teddy Cattrall years anymore. Do you think a lot of teams noticed? Uh, you know, combined with, uh, you, you know, he's older, uh, that he exists in the system and excels in the system, and uh, maybe it's not worth testing if they can work in someone else's system because of his age. It could be that, but I'm also wondering too if it's more he he waited too long in free agency because no. if I remember right, it was a week after free agency opened and all teams already blew blew their money. So could it be that could everyone that he had his eyes on or that well, was then, interested? Then the question in him, is why wasn't he one of the first ones to sign? Because if he was one of the top ones on the market, you would think that teams would be calling him first. You know, Jesse Jesse Bates got some money from Atlanta. We're, we're going to get to him in a few minutes here. When well, we look, talk at about what, look, look at what Taylor Rapp signed for. Arguably, he, Taylor Rapp has more upside and athleticism than Poyer does. Poyer has our heartstrings because he's been with us so long. And look what Taylor Rapp signed for. One thing I do want to add, too, is one of the teams I was super interested in, Poyer, was uh, Miami, and they traded for Jalen Ramsey. So, you know, maybe it was down to Miami and Buffalo, and – Miami already blew their money on their star corner. Do you think Jalen Ramsey can play that high safety position or free roaming? Ramsey's on his I third I think game. he can, but yeah, I think he can, but I think he's going to be more a uh, cornerback with Xavier Howard. So let's transition. Xavier Howard didn't make your list. He did not. Not even an honorable mention. So. Referencing last week, I didn't have any Dolphins fans coming after me though, so I thought I thought for sure after the show I would have some Dolphins. Yeah, fans. Nick, Nikki Smokes kind of checked out once he joined Barstool. Cashed cashed a check and he's just like, "Yeah, I'll be there for the chicken wings. Let me let, let me know who wins." <laughs> so yeah, um, I saw oh, about an hour and twenty. I saw minutes. Nikki in the Miami Dolphins playoff game. I saw him uh, driving by me. Well, wait, what, what, was he trying to get back in after halftime? He's like, "I thought I thought these were usable." <laughs> he was screaming his full head off out the car window he's, he's the most spanish looking guy who looks like he doesn't speak spanish <laughs> all right so about an hour and 20 minutes into episode 17 of the bf writers club want to thank everyone for being a part of the show tonight once again make sure you smash that like and subscribe button and uh wherever you're watching from tonight we appreciate it make sure you keep hitting us up with those comments if you have anything else that you want to talk about, you know, there's no time limit here. I, I mean, I should probably leave Jeff's house 
eventually. But yeah, um, speaking of press, are you are you are you hammering suds over there? This is like I'm having fun talking to you. You got some good points going. <laughs> yeah, I got a diet Dr Pepper going on right here. Oh, nice. Yo, Kev, can you go in the? We are in my kitchen. Kev, can you go in the fridge, grab me a truly really quick. <laughs> oh yeah, hang on. <laughs> hey, okay, I'll do it then. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, top ten safe. No, he's actually going okay so good. yeah i mean we, we planned on probably being like an hour and a half tonight but i mean everyone's this engaged in, right here yeah this is a good conversation so we're gonna keep it rolling with the uh, with the top 10 safeties top 15 because i got some honorable mentions so <laughs> did you guys happen to read that article that i published the other day i certainly did my friend and i noticed that you uh they had photo Excuse me. Wow. Uh, the head photo in that is the standing Buffalo that you put Poyer and Hyden. Um, what do you want back that Jersey more or those two healthy all season? Oh, those two healthy all season. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't care what the bills wear, I, I care who is wearing them because you know, if we go red helmets, they're dropping, uh, they're dropping, they're dropping the standing Buffalo. Just a nice sidebar. So Bryce, what, what are your initial thoughts on my uh, rankings here? And you know, since we didn't talk last week, if you want to, talk about any of the corner rankings that I had. You know, I had Trey White at number 10, if you guys are just tuning in and, and you didn't catch that last week. So I guess we can start there with Trey White at number 10. What are your thoughts on that, Bryce? And um, then just what are your initial thoughts on these safety rankings? Yeah, so you're putting me on the spot here because I did not check out your corner rankings. Oh, I got this then. <laughs> okay, Jeff. You love the Philadelphia secondary. <laughs> I mean, I drafted him on fantasy today for our uh, fanatics draft here, Bryce. Wait, what did I do to the secondary for Philly? I mean, uh, CJ Garner Johnson. He's with Detroit. He was now. phenomenal. I know, but his, but but like you're basing this list off last year's play, right? I think he's at least an honorable. No, but he, play, but he plays for the Eagles last year, right? Yeah, yeah. So the body of work of which we evaluated from was from the Eagles. Yeah. <sighs> the Eagles were really really good. Um, I mean, he was. He wasn't really, really good, or else he would but, have been in top ten. No, 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 no. I'll get this right. If the Bills have anything like the Eagles with that type of cohesion that they had last year, because they've, uh, you know, this is the third person that's lined on your top ten list. I know, I know, you know, I know he's, I know he's. Last week he had two, right? Two, two Eagles on it, correct? Yeah, and, uh, James Bradbury at six, Darius Slay at five. So Gardner Johnson. Now we're evaluating best on last. Don't you think that's the product of cohesion? They all trust each other to be where they're supposed to be, and they all make each other better. That, not to exit too much out of the list, that's what I want for the Bills. What you don't want? No, that's what I want for the Bills. Oh, okay. The way the Eagles made everybody better in that defensive backfield this year. You know? Someone mentioned in the comments last week, it all started up front with the defensive line. Yeah. Talking about that cohesion. So, yeah, I mean, Bryce, what do you think about C.J. Gardner-Johnson being an honorable mention? You know, I think that's a pretty fair spot for him. I, I don't know. I don't know where I'd put him in your top ten. So I think that's pretty good. I mean, he was a pretty important piece to the Eagles last year. So I mean, he was he for was sure. But league looking league. at, go ahead. I'll get to this happening. No, just looking at the other ten players he put in this list, it's Antoine Winfield, Jesse Bates, Buda Baker. Micah Hyde. So, who are you oh, going to oh, play? Oh, don't spoil it. Yet. I'm. I didn't say all of it. Yeah, for the people that haven't seen it, what happens at the end of the Departed? Don't spoil it. 
No, but I, I think I think Gardner Johnson. Ten in there, but <laughs> I think Gardner Johnson is he's an integral part, and uh, I think the real test of his merit is what he's going to do in Detroit this year. You know. Well, but Gardner I, Johnson was great, and he got a deal away. Poyer didn't. Yeah, but he took a discount too. I believe he's only on seven and a half million right now. Yeah, it was like a one-year, eight million so deal. He's fine. Dry in general. Say it again, Bryce. It was like a one-year, eight million deal he took in Detroit. So it's not like he got insane yeah, amount of money he didn't from break the bank. Team. Yeah, yeah. Now he was tied for the league lead in interceptions last season with six. He also posted a career high sixty-seven tackles in twelve games. And like I said in the article, he signed that one-year deal with the Lions. And I just said that he's a chess piece. They can kind of play him in the slot. They move him around. I just need to see a little bit more consistency from him to be a top 10. Yeah, he, he, had, he had troubles running the alley last year. He had troubles kind of a little, little bit with communication with his linebackers as to who's setting the edge of the defense. Uh, you saw that a little bit in some of their playoff run. But, but the best part is when you're that good on defense, those seams, those, they kind of wash out because, you know, just sheer athleticism in that Philadelphia defense kind of uh, made up for some things that only the trained eye could see uh, in terms of his play. Now, I'm just going to read off the other honorable mentions here so we can keep this moving. Quandre Diggs, Harrison Smith, Talanoa Hufangja. I'm not sure if I'm No, I no, that. yep. No, we knew. <laughs> Javon Holland and Eddie Jackson. So um, before I explain my reason here, what are your guys' thoughts on those players? I think valiant effort on that pronunciation. Um, we try. Yeah. So um, I don't know. You have a lot of – are we calling a 2021 draftee young still? Probably. And I think, uh, you know, of your four honorable, five honorable mentions. Yeah, if you're on a first-year deal, we still can call him young, right, Bryce? Yeah, definitely. I think. So I think you got a lot of kids on this. After your first two you have years, a lot of guys on here that, like, uh, they have a lot of upside, I think. Um, they're not people that have fallen off. So that's, I think, I don't, I don't have a, I wish I had a problem with any of this. It, 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 they seem properly rated. I don't think you admit anyone. Um, oh, who's that guy from the Jets? Uh, that number 33 fella. Wasn't he supposed to be awesome? Okay. No, that other guy. He played at LSU. He wears a lot of armbands. Jamal Adams. Yeah. Is, oh, he on, Seattle? is he on this list? Yeah, that's one guy. More 15 to 20. I mean, honorable mentions would essentially mean that they're 10 to 15 or technically 11 to 15. So no, that was me, that was me really casting like, shade. <laughs> this really isn't like specific order, but I guess if you had to put an order on it, I'd probably go CJ Gardner-Johnson 11, Quandre Diggs 12, and then Harrison Smith 13. I mean, those are two guys we can talk about right there. Diggs and Harrison Smith. Diggs has really found his niche in Seattle, and he's had three really solid seasons for the Seahawks. And then Harrison Smith, he's 34 years old, and this is a guy like Jordan Porter who who he got the bag when he was getting up there in age, and he's not the same Harrison Smith that he used to be, but he's still print, putting up some pretty solid numbers. He tied a career high with five pick off or yeah, five picked off passes last year, also known as interceptions. And he had 85 tackles. So he's been a linchpin on that Vikings defense. Yeah. Well, also another Harrison, Harrison Phillips. So. Harrison. Oh, I was going to say, I didn't say Harrison Phillips, right? No, 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 no. Yeah, no. But we're, 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 we're big Harrison Phillips people here. But moving on. I'm like champion at the bit. Can we, can we talk about number 10? Sure, yeah. But real quick, I just want to say, uh, as for the young guys on here, 
Hufanja with San Fran and Javon Holland, those guys, they pretty much had identical numbers where, let's see, Talanoa had 96, check that, 97 tackles, four interceptions, two sacks, and he was named first-team All-Pro and a Pro Bowler. And then Javon Holland had 96 tackles, two interceptions, and one and a half sacks last season. And Eddie Jackson had a really solid season for the Bears before he got hurt. So, okay, number 10. Go ahead. Your list. You tell me about him. All right. Well, number 10, I have Antoine Winfield Jr., the son of former Bills defensive back Antoine Winfield. So um, this is a guy. He was an honorable mention last year. And there were some other sites that had him ranked higher. Maybe you could put him a little bit higher, but – I couldn't go any higher than 10 for Winfield. I mean, the numbers weren't necessarily there. They use him in a lot of different ways. Um, According to PFF, they gave him a a 77.8 grade. And their quote was, he carried a terrific 89.4 run defense grade and only missed three total tackles. He is also an excellent blitzer with his four sacks and league leading 91.1 pass rush grade serving as the evidence. So maybe that's why the numbers aren't there. But, I mean, they can use them in a variety of ways. Um, but either way, he cracks the top 10 for me. Yeah. My only problem with him, and I think he's awesome. I wanted to draft him. I really – Minnesota go, guy. Yeah. I mean, like you uh, – did he, uh, he went to University uh, yeah, went to Minnesota? Yep. Wow. schema the Chippewas. Um, how do you not wear your dad's number? <laughs> I think he wears 31. I think his pops was 26. But, I mean, like, he's tenacious, and he's also tenacious not only in the pass game, but he's a great blitzer, man. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr., only nothing but upside, man. I mean, Tampa Bay is going to have a hard year this you know, this year. If that's a foregone conclusion. You don't sleep on Baker. Buddha? It's coming up. Uh, I, I'll give you a hint. Uh, uh, Baker uh, Mayfield is not the best Baker in the NFL right now, so I'm going to take a quick nap on that guy. Um, it's a Buddha joke, but – um, no, man, great blitzer, uh, very dynamic, and um, he's found a way. Yo, like Kyrie's dad played in the NFL, didn't know that. Met the guy, he played a couple of his uncle, yeah. Kyrie's Kyrie, dad, yeah, but he played in the NFL. It's almost seemed like the, that's like a lineage position, like a quarterback. And he's uh, speaking lineage, Antoine Winfield Jr. is as poised to usurp his father because he's he's a, he's a great. I don't think, do you think Antoine Winfield Sr. was ever a top 10 guy? That was before my time, so I can't really speak on that too well. So I think uh, much like – Maybe that's more for you. Oh, okay. Age joke. Got it. Leave. <laughs> no, but I honestly think he's poised to eclipse his father, and uh, it's nothing but upside for this guy, and he's young too. So love it. Uh, Jimmy Dix has a comment here. He says, have you guys seen The Last Boy Scout? I have not. Do you guys know what that is? No, and I'm scared to ask. I guess we haven't seen it. If, if, if you could just give us like a little like uh, inside cover of the book uh, plot scenario. So, uh, Bryce, before we move on, do you have anything to say about Winfield? Yeah, I just have one thing to say, and it goes with Jeff's point. The only knock I have against him is he's not a Buffalo Bill. Fair enough. That was beautiful. <laughs> Number Thank nine. you. I try. I spoke on him a few minutes ago, and this is Jesse Bates. Now, he is someone who did collect his paycheck. Atlanta gave him a four-year, $64 million deal. So he's getting $16 million per season, and that's a huge pickup 
for Atlanta. And yeah, he is a fourth highest paid safety in the league now. And he's been consistent right along. Maybe some years better than others. I think it was 2020 had a really good season. But uh, last year, he had 71 tackles, four interceptions, and a 76.8 PFF grade. But probably his best stat is he only allowed 19 passes to be completed on 37 attempts. So that's a 51.4 percentage. I hate that stat. I hate that stat because I'll tell you, uh, because so many teams in in the NFL plays in cover two. And if you don't have a very dynamic middle linebacker keeping uh, uh, hash pressure off, off the safeties, it's really hard to guard the alley and guard a untouched slot receiver streaking up you know, the hash marks. So 51% is crazy, but at the same time, like that's a very, very transitory stat in terms of many different aspects go into it. Jesse Bates, however, doesn't matter. Guy does it, gets it done, got paid. Good for him. Properly rated, have no no grudge with what you did and that's a hard team to play for in atlanta because they seem to lack identity both offense and defense grace you have uh, any comments on Bates before we get to a couple comments here that i want to touch on yeah i mean he definitely deserved that contract after playing on franchise tag in cincinnati he was phenomenal there so you know i'm glad he got paid i just wish it wasn't in atlanta where he's going to waste his talent now, the first comment that I want to get to, Jimmy says, it's a movie based on my life. So that's why we haven't seen it yet. So maybe yeah, it'll come out in theaters in a little this, bit. Is this like an uncle that scored you? That was rough. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but maybe, Pierce. maybe, Pierce, maybe, Bryce, you can jump on this one. Um, I think uh, we are all a little, we don't know. But uh, Pierce asked uh, Bryce, will we have someone to replace Edmonds this season? Um we just went around and said uh, you know, Bryce does think it's going to be our draft pick. Williams on Tulane. I, I lean, I lean AJ Klein just based on past performance and him being a veteran presence. And um, and Kevin, you I lean. lean on Terrell Dodson. And, so. and if you guys want to go back and listen to that part of the conversation or any other conversations that we had tonight, this is obviously recording live. You can go back and watch the playback later on YouTube. So make sure to check that out. We'll put the timestamps on them. Probably early this morning because oh, it's already eleven seventeen, so I can't say tonight in a little yeah. bit because but Pierce, it'll definitely be Pierce. We lo- we'll out. recap anything, man. Thanks for the comment, dude, and listening, dude. Appreciate it. So, all right, let's move on here because I just said how it's getting pretty late. Um, still forty two people in here though. Buddha Baker, number eight. This guy is probably one of the most consistent, versatile, physical safeties in the league. And I'm probably biased because I made the list, but I think that he is properly ranked. But I will say that I did have him higher last year and his numbers didn't really drop that much. It's just that I felt like there were a lot of guys ahead of him who could take that spot. But either way, I think he's within this range. I mean, uh, when I first heard of Buda Baker uh, on on Arizona, um, I watched him and I thought he had little sparks of the way kind of Brian Dawkins played. I don't think he ever got to that level. Brian Dawkins was Weapon X and somebody that you circled every day. Uh, I made the joke earlier that Baker Mayfield is not the most Baker dynamic Baker in the league, but Buda Baker, like the way that he plays the game and kind of takes care of himself and the tenacity is just the brand of football that I think the Bills want to be 
They're just not young enough to be. Um, and and Buda Baker, how old is he? He's Bryce. Any idea? 27, 28, I would say. Yeah, I, I'm thinking more 27 years old. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Buda Baker, like, is he ever going to be off this list? He hasn't slowed down. He just he hasn't uh, usurped to a level that you get some top five. I think you're going to see 27. This, he's 27. So I think you're going to see him on this list for a while. But we've seen his best play, and I think he's going to be a consistent best play player. It's not like a lot of, you know, cornerbacks that, you know, you see him after four years. They're uh, the, 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 the transitory period that they go from age 26 to 30 when you see him on like four teams. I don't think you're going to see that Buda Baker. He's, he's a valued stalwart in that defense, and he plays physical. And uh, he, he's a little old school. He's, he's, not, he's not scared of him and Tyran, not scared. And I know we're going to get to him, but like two guys that like I really value um, their style of play. And, um, you know, I know that's being phased out in the NFL with, you know, everything that's going on. So I boot a bigger love him. Well, speaking of Tyron Matthew, there he is at number seven. So um, I have a good story about that. Feel free. I was at his draft party uh, <clears throat> in like whatever year. Yeah, it was at uh, SL nightclub. Where's um, that? New York City, it's closed now. It was by the catch group. And uh, uh, it was awesome. But he had an entourage of people that appeared to not have his best interests in mind. And I know there's a lot of stipulations on his first team. And he is a, he is he's been nothing but an exemplary person. And for him to, to return now, um, uh, you know, to his home state and stuff like that, a life goal to play. Um, I think this is going to be just just a marriage that, you know, uh, Tyron Matthew was is having the career he's supposed to have despite all the derailments and what he's gone through in life. I am a massive, massive fan of Tyron Matthew, the honey badger. Um, it's almost like, you know, when Pac-Man Jones wanted to grow outside of the Pac-Man Jones <laughs> nickname and never really did. <laughs> the honey badger wanted to uh, outgrow his nickname and his past. And he's really he's really, really taken off. And uh, I don't know. It's a good story. I really like it. Well, I mean, he had 91 tackles and three interceptions last year and a sack first year with Dennis Allen. Like you said, he's back in his home state. I, I think that's just like a great relationship right there. And with Derek Carr as a quarterback now, maybe Michael Thomas comes back. They added Jamal Williams in the backfield, a bunch of other different pieces. I think the Saints could be a really good team again, especially considering how weak that division is. Yeah, man. it's He's easy to root for. Bryce, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he was a great addition to that defense. Like you guys are saying, he's been consistent even through, what is it, four teams now? So I think finally, like Jeff said, landing back in his hometown, playing for his home, you know, his home team, that's going to be great for him in his career. Yeah, agreed. And <laughs> I, uh, I almost lost one of our tabs here, so... I cannot easily access his stats. So this is the I part. Hey, next man. It's the NFL. Next man up, man. I got this. Bryce, next man up. I got this. You call my number. I got this. So, Buda Baker, seven, Tran Matthew, Micah Hyde, number oh, six. I, knew that. I was going to tell you uh, oh, Tran thought... Matthew's completion percentage allowed, but I believe if memory serves uh, correct, it was 62.7. You are autistic. That is correct. <laughs> and that's coming from someone <laughs> with Asperger's. We're not making fun of mental disease. I have Asperger's. I, but and yeah, his rating allowed was like a 77. You're a rain man. That's correct. Okay. I think we need to move on to number six. And that he is, is 31, though. He is 31. Yes. 
So I hope Father Time doesn't kill them because I think, uh, speaking of old people, Micah. Micah Hyde, who, you know what? I feel like there's a stigma with Micah Hyde that he's really old. He's not that old. He's 32. I know that's the wrong side of 30 and this and that, but I mean, come on. He's, he's got a few good years left in him. I know he's under contract for just this year, but I think the Bills could at least sign him for another year, let him and Poyer finish out together. I think both of these guys have at least two, if not three years left in them. I think that's brave, dude. That is brave. Does but he I- have another neck injury in him, though? Because that's going to derail what Kevin's saying. That's a very good question. I mean, that's the biggest stipulation right now is their health and are their bodies capable of enduring the pain and all those hard hits. I think they can, but it is brave. Yeah, man, it's tough. Um, it's tough because you want you want the same consistency in the player, but some, some you know what one of the most dynamic things about Micah is not about you know his lower extremities. It's about uh, the uh, the football intelligence of which he plays and the role of which he has mentoring young players and um, his desire Taylor. to be here. Yeah, I mean Taylor Rapp isn't done growing, um, and, and for have have him nurtured in a room with man. That is a duo, Poyer and Hyde, man. They're a formidable duo. And uh, add rapping in the mix, it's powerful. But Hyde is Hyde, Hyde, Hyde's value, I think, really. His body needs to hold up, but his value is completely upstairs because I think, honestly, if we don't have a confident middle linebacker setting our defensive front, there's no reason to not believe that Hyde's not screaming down from, from, the, from the, the safety position. Hey, this is what we're doing, calling out, calling out, you know, run force, run fits. I mean, he's kind of like a nice insurance policy that I don't think a lot of analytics consider. You know, a crazy stat that I found on Micah Hyde. Since signing with the Bills in 2017, he's picked off 14 passes. Even more impressive, he hasn't allowed more than 29 passes to be completed when targeted since 2018. And that might even go further back. For some reason, the advanced that's on pro football reference stopped at 2018 and he was an all pro in 2017. So I would think that that would persist into that 2017 season, maybe even 2016 when he was with green Bay, but either way, I mean, this guy is a lockdown, just stud on that back end coupled with Jordan Porter, one of, if not the best safety duo in the league. Now I'm going to say it, the best safety duo. Good. You should say it. I believe that too. Yeah. And uh, he's also responsible for probably, you know, one of the, the greatest uh, in-person highlights I've ever seen. That interception at... I was there for that. I, it was right in front of me. I am section 114, row 15, 20, and 21. Book it, Dano. That was amazing. That was, a, it was the greatest thing. Bryce, it was the coolest, like, oh, my God, I think he caught that. <laughs> and then, obviously, my wife was like, who? And I was like, baby, I love you so much. Just not now. Not now. Because it was the greatest thing I've ever seen, and I just wanted to soak it all up. And um, That was like sex I, for a virgin. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy he's back, man. So, Bryce, before we move on, because obviously there's another Buffalo safety that we have to talk about, do you have anything to say about Micah Hyde? Yeah, I was waiting to bring this up for a long time, and it goes with what you guys were just talking about with Mike Hyde against the Patriots. No matter how old he gets or how how many injuries he has, 
he's flying from sideline to sideline every single game, every single play. He's covering the whole entire field. And he's doing it with confidence. Oh, yeah, he is. He, and he's playing well doing it, too. You know, you know what also, Bryce? I love that even after he got hurt, there are so many cut-ups of him on that practice field. He it, was going to come back and play if we made the championship too i know but but him extending his brain because i think what we were talking about is his talents upstairs he's on that practice field he is yeah yeah i'm just i'm I'm with it player coach essentially yeah i'm with it it's awesome bring him back once he retires i'm down for it put him on the wall okay before we get to the other bookend here the guy that i have sandwiched in the middle is justin simmons with denver now, I gave him the spot here, the edge on Micah Hyde, just because of the age and because he's very similar to Jordan Porter. Both these guys were banged up last year, but they still put up the numbers. And Justin Simmons, in only 12 games, had six interceptions, which, again, was tied for the league lead. And he was on the field a lot because that Denver offense didn't do much. So, Bryce, what are your thoughts on Justin Simmons? Because I know there's been a lot of comparisons between him and Jordan Porter and Micah Hyde over the years. But um, not to – I mean, I pretty much already did. I'll just say it right now, Jordan Porter is number four for me. So what do you think of the order here? Micah Hyde, six. Justin Simmons, five. Jordan Porter, four. So I like it all the way up until you get to Jordan Porter at four. I love – and before I get to Porter, I don't know if you want to, you know, go more into detail. Oh, speak your truth, dude. Part. I like it. I like where this is going because I think I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. So Simmons at five is great. I love him at that position. He's been consistent year after year ever since he uh, came into the league. I love that for Denver. I love that pick. But going to Poyer now, he's got to be top three at at the very least. Because I not agree. <laughs> I I don't want to spoil your next pick, but I love him more than Kevin Bayard. He Bayard's getting up there in age a little bit. You know, he's his play is starting to decline a little bit, and Poyer's still going strong. He's still producing at a high level. But you're arguing. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, even with all his injuries that he played through last year, he was still producing at a very high level. But he's but he's but he's the sixth highest safety, pay wise, right? What we're talking about Uh, Simmons. Poor. Right? I, no, I'll, I'll make this correlated. You were talking about Poyer. Poyer did test yeah. the market. Yeah. Now, 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 there could be a catch twenty-two here. Or do you think these these teams were just so well sorted uh, at safety that you didn't command that you know amount of money? But Poyer did test the market, um, and I just I just think that Sims plays a different game of ball, and Poyer is one not. I don't root for injury. Well, he's one knock away from us. You know, not seeing him for a while during the season. So I think in ranking him top, it's top if everything goes well and he doesn't get hurt. But um, we're gonna have a we're gonna have an interesting question: reliability. If Poyer's not there, you know, at his at his healthiest, properly rated. But it's it's it'd be it'd be weird to think that he is going to play the entire season at that age, at his healthiest. So I guess that's my thing. So I I don't know. That's just me. So wait, do, do you agree with the order here? So at five, we have Justin Simmons, four, Jordan Poyer, and then three, Kevin Byard. 
Poirier is healthiest, properly rated. I think that is aggressive to think that is the way he's going to play all season. The guy, you know, the guy had to medvac his way basically into Kansas City in a Mercedes Sprinter van. He wasn't clear to fly, <laughs> you know. Um, so uh, totally healthy and properly properly rated, but like you know, probably what we're gonna get is not gonna be that, and he, and I don't think that's top four. So I mean, Kevin Byard. I didn't even really realize this, but this is a guy who really doesn't miss time. 2017, played all 16 games. 2018, all 16. 2019, all 16. 2020. I, actually, I'm just realizing he hasn't missed a game in his career. Yeah, he's like he's like the Cal Ripken of you know cover two shell. <laughs> so I, I mean, he has played 114 games and he's made 105 starts. The only times he didn't start was in his rookie year back in 2016. So. I mean, that, that's a big thing that I probably left out. But, I mean, I think I still have them properly rated because durability is a big aspect of this. And I know guys can't control when they get hurt or how they get hurt, but the best availability is, or the best ability is availability, if I could say it. It's and true. It's very Kevin true. And is apparently always available. And the numbers are there, too. Yeah. I mean, that's a lock. I mean, that's your best. that's your best pick. That's a lock. Anybody who says Bayard isn't isn't uh, you know a top three guy, that's what do you think, Bryce? I don't know. I'm still going with Poyer at three and Bayard at four, but I I still respect Bayard at being at number three. My only knock with him this season. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. My only knock with him this offseason has been, you know, he's been talks of being shipped off, being released or traded this offseason, and he had to take a pay cut to stay with Tennessee this year. He had down from fourteen million to eleven million. What were we saying about Poyer, Jeff? Didn't you just describe Poyer? Did I? Yeah, he's in talks of going away and he's gonna have to take a little bit of a you know little bit of a cut, whether it be in his ego or, uh, you know, it's the same situation with Poyer. The only difference is Poyer miss, has missed games. We don't root for injury. Poyer's missed games, and Bayer is a stalwart. He's going to be there for 16 probably again this year, Kev. Poyer, you know, if he needs rest, we're going to err on the side of caution at this point in his career that it's not worth losing him long term. You know what I mean? So, but that's just my thoughts. I I don't know. I want well, For what it's worth, I had Poyer number one last year, Bayer number two. So, what are your thoughts on that? Because they both dropped. Sounds like I'm out, my thoughts are. Sounds like I am outnumbered between you two. So, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I mean, it might be the Bills' bias here. But... Say it again, Bryce. No, I was just saying it might be a Bills' bias here, but you know, I love and respect everything Poyer did, even while he was playing injured last year. He was still at you know playing at an elite level, and I don't think that can be overshadowed by anything honestly that's that's a good point man what does the chat think as we are almost two hours into the show i see we have 38 people in here still so you know if you are still in this show right now let us know your thoughts on our rankings thus far as we discuss the top two safeties heading into the 2023 season we want to hear from you before we sign off for the night so that being said number two Minka Fitzpatrick, this also might be a little bit 
questionable. I, I didn't know exactly where to place him, but I ultimately decided on number two with Minka. This isn't a vacuum, right? It's not. It's not. Here's my thoughts. Minka Fitzpatrick is Ben, and I hate when people do this. They're disingenuous, like with quarterbacks. They're like, uh, well, he had all these wide receivers on his team. That's ridiculous. Uh, like, like you can't you can't put his play in a vacuum without good players they trust. Um, that Steeler defense is never going to be safety centric. Okay, the days of Palomalu are gone. Okay. Um, I do tip the scale that Mika Fitzpatrick's play is based on other very, very dynamic people, um, on that roster. Okay. Really good Steelers defense. TJ Watt, he is going to rush and kill that edge so hard that you need to, you need to keep a running back in and jet protection. Okay. So that is one key that Mika Fitzpatrick, it's a foregone, uh, foregone conclusion that you don't have to worry about a safety leaking up and through the alley. You, you don't have to do that. That makes his life a lot easier. But at the same time, it's disingenuous to say that um, I have to uh, denigrate him on the list based on uh, people he's playing with. Um, in a vacuum, the, the game and the competition he has, he is number two. But I think it's disingenuous not to mention the people on defense he's playing with that aid to uh, uh, some things that are not just just make his life easier. That's where I'm at. Bryce, what are your thoughts on Minka here? I respect it. I mean, I love how Minka plays. He's going to just ruin your day as a quarterback with with one play. He's going to win you a football game, or if you're the opposite team, he's going to cost you the whole entire game. He's great on defense. I He does everything that Derwin James does, but only better. Agreed. That's why I think you better. Yeah, better. better than Derwin James. Yeah, yeah, he's better, and he's oh. been healthy. Uh, yeah, his I didn't whole one. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a perfect segue because I have Derwin James at number one. So, are you guys saying that you would flip flop those guys and have Derwin James number two and Mickey Fitzpatrick as the best safety in the league? I would, yes, and it's no, it's no shot. Yeah, at I probably, yeah, I probably would too, man. Really, I, I didn't think that you guys would be that high on Minka because when I saw that at number two and I saw a lot of other people were very high on Minka, I was like, well, wasn't he the one that allowed those two big catches to Gabe Davis? I'm, and, you know, maybe we should drop him. He's probably top five, maybe not top two. Should you put Poyer up there, Bayard? I was like, you know what? He had career numbers last year. He had 96 tackles. And what was the other thing? Um, oh, tied a career high with 11 passes defended. He had a career high 82.4 PFF grade, and he only allowed 61.1% of passes to be completed in, in his direction. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with Minka at number two. Derwin James, I think, is that, but just bigger and more physical, and he brings more as a pass rusher, and he's been healthy the last two seasons. Uh, no. Then why were they sending rap all last year? I'm I'm like the like the rock down in in, in L.A. Different L.A. Oh my God, I do this once a show. I get so fired up, my brain short circuits. He's on the L.A. Chargers, not the Rams. He's on the Chargers. Two yeah. terrible color cover schemes, anyway. Um, 
I just Derwin Derwin James. I feel like four sacks last year as a safety. Yeah, I'm wrong, Ben. Damn. Hey Bryce, I'm a, hey Bryce, I'm against you. Uh, I'm with Kevin on this one. <laughs> it happens once a show. Right. My brain's short circuited, uh, and I have to apologize to our listeners. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah, I'm out. Uh, Derwin James, number one. Sorry. Well, I mean, here, here's a point from Roy. He says Derwin James is injury prone. So I mean, that might tie into what you were saying, Bryce. That you could knock him there. I mean, I kind of did but that you, with Poyer in a way. Yeah. Okay. You know, fired. He's healthy. He's durable. He's number three. Poyer. We'll put him number four. So, I mean, do we want to flip Minka and Derwin James because of the durability? Derwin James has played two relatively healthy seasons. He was out for the majority of the 2020 season with that knee injury. And the last two years, he's played the majority of, of the snaps. But, I mean, Bryce, do, do you want to knock him for that and flip him and Minka? I mean, I'll go back to your point earlier, Kevin, that, you know, best available – Best ability is availability. And Derwin James hasn't been available for most of his career. Minka has just, been. He just used his point, your point against you. <laughs> and he's played at a super high level his whole entire career from Miami to Pittsburgh. So I don't, you got to put Minka number one. And it, Yo, bro, like I said in. earlier, like I said earlier, it's not a shot against Derwin James, but. You know, Minka just does everything Derwin does, but only better. Now, you know, Derwin James, I have his numbers here. So he only played in five games in 2019, and then he missed all of 2020. And then he played 15 games in 21, 14, and 22. So, I mean, I'm going based on right now going into the 2023 season, assuming everyone is healthy, because when he is healthy, he's really good. And every year that he's been healthy, he's been an all-pro or a pro bowler, or sometimes both. Like last year, he was second team all pro and a pro bowler. And uh, he was third in comeback player of the year voting in 21. And then let's see, defensive rookie of the year. He came in second in uh, defensive rookie of the year voting in uh, 2018. And he was first team all pro along with the pro bowler. So like key words, when healthy, he's really good. And, you know, based on super rare. right now, Going into training camp, everyone's healthy. I'm going to keep Derwin James at number one. Boom. <laughs> nice job, man. That was good. That's a good list, man. All right. Well, a minute 58. We might do this right at the two-hour mark. So uh, do you guys have any final comments on tonight's show before we wrap things up? I want a yes or no. Don't feel like you have to explain it. Split, hide, and pour up. Are they on this list? They're no longer a tandem. Yes. Bryce? Yes. They were split last year. Micah Hyde was out all year and Poyer battled through injuries. Fair comment. And Hyde was great in Green Bay, too. So uh, He was good, but he, he really took yeah. off in Buffalo. Uh, honorable mentions for non-battles. Quarterback, <laughs> long snapper, <laughs> kicker. Well, hey, speaking of which, man, we're doing good with the transitions tonight. Next week, I plan on coming out with my kickers and punters rankings because then I'm saving the best for last. What did you say? Are you doing long snappers also? Nah, Reed Ferguson, he's the best, right? (laughs) Number two, Reed Ferguson's brother, end. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, next week, be on the lookout for the special teams rankings. Sorry, no long snappers. Yo, Mike, appreciate it. Thanks, man. Mike, thanks, man. Appreciate that, dude, to see that. 
Yeah, we'll get to the uh, final comments in a sec here. Dude, you um, got called. You got called McLovin, Bryce. <laughs> hey, I've been called right Harry there. Potter on this show before. I mean, so, I, I think the easier joke would be calling me Fat Seth, Seth Rogen, but. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've heard it all on this show, so nothing phases me anymore. Thick skin. Um, anyways, before we wrap up, so yeah, kickers and punters next week, and then I'm saving the best for last, where we're gonna get into. Tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, and quarterbacks, and that will take us right into the season. Now, I do want to say right now, it looks like we're going to be bi-weekly for the next few weeks here, just based on all of our work schedules and different vacations. It looks like we're going to be bi-weekly. I mean, there's not that much going on right now anyways until we ramp up towards the end of August, and then we're going to have to get to roster predictions, depth charts, breakdowns, all that good stuff. So it looks like as of now, we will be off next week. Come back August 6th. We'll be off the 13th, and then we'll come back on August 20th, which I'm finally going to get some Wi-Fi upgrades. I mean, I already have gotten the upgrades, but we're getting fiber in our neighborhood, so I cannot wait for August 15th. So in the meantime, thank you for uh, you know letting me do some work from, from your lovely home here, Jeff. Hey, man, that list you did do work. Great list, man. So, all right, um, just want to wrap up with the final few comments here. So, once again, Mike said, great show tonight. And I think that was it. Maybe there were a couple other comments. Um, but either way, I appreciate everyone. We appreciate everyone for watching and being a part of the show. Once again, you can go back and watch the playback. guess we weren't on Twitter after all. Hopefully, we will get unhacked. But it looks like Facebook is up again. So, you know, when one goes down, I guess the other one comes back in. Great. So, I hope yeah. my grandmother watched. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that being said, thank you once again. This is Kevin Syracuse on the BF Writers Club alongside Jeff Brady and Bryce Martino. You've been watching the BF Writers Club episode 17. We'll be back in two weeks for episode 18. And until then, happy training camp, especially if you're going. You know, we had the whole incident with autographs last year, so that should be an interesting storyline to watch for. Um, but either way, go Bills, baby. Go Bills. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. 
Shop now at Hero.co. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 2-0.